Yo, what's up, everybody? Early episode. We got an early episode today. I like the early episodes. Only I guess it, I thought it muted these guys, but it isn't. Okay, how you doing, everybody? Sorry for the audio interruption there. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 114 of Jump Street Podcast. We have a very special, very, very special guest for this episode. He was in the first video I ever saw. He's one of the biggest personalities in rollerblading and skating and gone on to do so much other cool stuff. So I'm very excited to talk to him today and get into everything. So thank you for joining us, everyone who was able to make it live for this early show. But um, as always, first, we got to start with a bit of my spiel. Um, please, everyone, if you don't already, follow us on all of our social media platforms. We have a Facebook. You can give us a like. YouTube, you can hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, leave a comment, share. All these interactions really help with the algorithm. Um, there's an iTunes. We you can give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. You can leave a review. And we also have a Patreon. You can be a Patreon for as little as $3 a month. And in our Patreons, we do section reviews with some of our guests. We do inside outs, which are trick tips. Austin just put up a new one a few weeks back with uh, how, to, how to skate coping. And I have one with the zero fish. And we got some more stuff coming out as well. And we just try to do new content. We have three pieces. Um, so yeah, check that out. If you want to be a Patreon, a member of our Patreon community, it's $3 a month. And every month we do a giveaway for our Patreons. Um, we do a random selection, and if you get selected, you get to pick something for free from our online store. So that is my spiel. Oh, no, I lost and, myself. Uh, <laughs> oh, you're gone. No, that's pretty stupid. Um, I want to give a shout-out to our Patreon supporters for this week. We have a ton of them. I'm trying to split it up because I don't want to be listing a bunch of names for all of you. So we're, we're taking them piece by piece. This week, I want to give a special shout-out to Michael Carlson, Dustin Wynn, Travis Bolton, Neil Coleman, Matthew Strang, Cody Hayes, Dave Quist, Jackson Rowe, Ryan Reeves, Peter Peleo, and uh, we want to give a special shout out to Chris Deister, who donated uh, a couple, uh, a couple donations to our PayPal account in the last few weeks. And Chris, if you're out there, I tried emailing your PayPal. I tried emailing you through your Patreon since you're a Patreon supporter as well, and nothing back. So if you're watching this or listening to this. Please reach out to us. We want to we wanna bless you with some Jump Street stuff, at least for your generous contributions. So thank you to everybody uh, thank for you being so a much. Patreon supporter. Oh, yeah, we got a lot of cool stuff on there. Um, should we do... We oh. also have the Blade calendar. And I got a bit of a spiel to go with that. Go for it. So um, the Blade calendar team is based in NYC, promoting events in the U.S. and overseas via submissions. Info and updates on blading events... Camps, comps, local sessions, and more are posted on our IG weekly. Full calendar access is available on www.bladecalendar.com for the calendar year. Choose all or specific events to sync from the website directly to your phone. Contact Blade Calendar via email or Instagram to promote an event. Instagram at blade underscore calendar. And the website is www.bladecalendar.com. So, yeah. Check that out. Blade Calendar doing some cool things for the skate community. And uh, cool way to stay up to date with everything. Awesome. In case you forget what's happening this weekend, check out Blade Calendar. You'll find an event hopefully in your area. Uh, well, that being said, before we get into our WTF, I want to give a quick shout out to the homie uh, Miguel Jacob, who blessed me with this shirt um, at Get Rolling. He is putting together a bunch of cool products. He did the graphic designs, uh, motion graphics and stuff for Jump Street Podcast. He also has done 
um, for the Ricardo Lino YouTube channel. I did that intro as well. So very talented guys, really cool shirt out for guys and girls. Um, if you're interested, check it out at bigrods.net or on Instagram at get rolling. Check it out. Um, we have, should we do the WTF? Should we just get into that? Cause I know it's juicy. Yeah, you know, the, I want I kind of want to give an intro to the WTF and a shout out to Ben Magaziner and Selwyn Briggs because we talked about this this clip previously on Jump Street multiple times. It was a session when the USD team went to Philadelphia and they were there with everyone. Like it was Dustin Latimer, Dominic Sagona, you know, Jeff Reddick was there, Josh Petty, like a lot of the old OG USD guys. But Joe Navin was there and his, the battery was dead on his camera. So these guys were just like ripping regardless. And they had one thing that they skated. It was from the top of the stairs, these two two by fours that went down to the top of a barrier at a temple or Cecil. And then um, it went to a down rail, like a 15 stair down rail, like the famous one. A drop down but it's, rail too. <laughs> but as we were talking about on the episode, when they were uh, rolling down it, like the two by fours had one foot on each and it was bending. But we noticed when we found the clip that um, it also like went down and dropped back on like the second barrier because it was like two barriers and like the the two by fours roll down and clipped on the other barrier. And it's pretty cool that we have, uh, it's, it's actually Dustin Latimer. We have the Dustin Latimer clip so that we a, found. So it's like a, it's like a throwback WTF of the week, we, but it's really cool because also we got Brooke on here who was obviously the founder of England who had, you know, Dustin Latimer on the, so it's a pretty cool connection there too. Yeah. So check it out WTF featuring Dustin Latimer. And that is, you, you described that like a few times on the show and I didn't picture it being this crazy at all. Let me slow this down. Yeah. It legit, comes from the top of the stairs above it that's in, like that's i didn't picture that can, at can, all being that crazy can you roll it up a little more okay so reverse it a little more like right to the top this someone's standing on the two by fours <laughs> they're bending i think it's sk because he like went and back torqued that too with the grab so that might be sk someone's standing on the two by fours they're bending as they roll down but they're not touching the bottom thing yet they go <laughs> they hit the bottom thing and then yeah he comes off to soil it so Maybe if we could show that one more time, like in uh, in full, that would be super cool. I, I, whose idea was that? You, were you there that day, Billy? Yeah, there was just a barrier in front of the rail. Like that bar barrier, like the wood sea was like crossed over yeah. and they had a barrier in front of it. So they just took, it was a construction site. See all like the pieces of two by four in the yeah, bottom. Yeah. I don't know. It was just a super hype session and someone just like went crazy and grabbed two pieces of two by four and put it on there. I think it was DL, to be honest. That was one of the sketchiest so, setups I've ever seen. So that's like one of the most like crazy dl clips like i've ever seen like it's one of like it's up there with some of his best clips and it's also like a clip of him in philly like you've never seen a clip yeah. of dl in philly or i never have and y you mentioned that so huge shout out to ben magaziner and selwyn briggs and i thought that was a really cool uh throwback wtf of the week that, that was awesome like i said you mentioned that on the show before and i've had that clip image imagined in my mind and i never picture it being that crazy and that sketchy so that's super cool that that clip finally emerged it, it wasn't a, a lie it actually happened yeah <laughs> we're yeah. starting to not believe cool. you for a minute um and shout out to sk sk because he back torqued it as well like he so he he sessioned that a bit he did like mock you to back far if he got like crazy on it well that's a spot right there yeah. philly right there the session yeah philly so shout out to this week's WTF featuring Dustin Latimer. Uh, before we continue on with our guests, we want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor for this episode, Blank, who just came out with the new Sean Keane Pro Model Skate, fully redesigned skate. If you haven't seen it yet, check it out. And we have a quick, let's do, uh, let's get Tony Woodland up in here. We're going to show you a couple of clips from Blank team rider, Tony Woodland. Who's driving now? Who's driving now? <laughs> 
It's your there boy, is. Tony Woodland. Check him out Tony Woodland. on Instagram at Blank Rolling Products. And we had the link to the Blank website in the description. If you want to check out the new Sean Keen Pro Model Skate by Blank. Thank you for sponsoring this great. episode. It's a great skate, that skate. I'm right, riding them right cool. now. There, I have them in the back over here. There you go. It's a good looking skate. It's my setup. Good skate, Sick. quality skate. I've been riding there for a while now. Yep. Sick. So shout out Blank and uh, shout out Tony Woodland and sh- shout out Sean Keen. Yeah. Very well stoked. deserved pro skate from Sean Keen. Mm-hmm. Uh, should we move it on to our guest? Are we good? Yes, let's move it on to our guest. Before we do, I would like to say if you are watching live, we have some viewers watching us live right now, please remember to hit the like button. You just X out of the chat, hit the like button, come right back into the chat. It's waiting for you. It really helps us. Um, it's so yeah, you. <laughs> let's get our guest on. Yeah, everybody, please welcome Mr. Brooke Howard Smith. That's good. That, that's, that feels good. <laughs> feels great. That's all, that's all wow. the people in the in the live live screen right <laughs> feels now. Feels good, huh? Eighty seven of you crazy bastards. That's awesome. That's a that's a How big share from eighty seven people. <laughs> Look at this. How are you guys? Yeah, Austin we, Billy. Welcome to the show, Brooke. This is a pleasure having you on the yeah. show. Skating royalty right here, and we're glad we're able to make this happen all the way from New Zealand to New York to California. Awesome, guys. It's so good to be on here. I've watched a lot of the episodes. I love it. I love your work. It's really exciting. Nice. Good to well, have you it's, on. It's, it's, it's our pleasure, and it's an honor to have you on. Um, you, like I said many times on the show, like my first video was Hoax 2, and that had like the biggest impact on me. So like seeing you, uh, you know, everything that you did in skating from like creating Senate to England and, and, and even Pointer and everything like that was uh, really cool to see and watch you go on to do things. So uh we got a long episode ahead. We got some surprises ahead, but uh, I think it would be cool to kick straight into it. So you have a very uh, early start on the early days of skating, like from, I would say, the very, very beginning. So I, I guess that all started from when you came out to America. So what made you want to leave New Zealand to begin with and come to America? You know, I was lucky enough. Um, I was a skier that found rollerblades, and then I was lucky enough, uh, the team rollerblade dance team, came through New Zealand, Eric Wiley, um, Jill Schultz, and a bunch of folk. And uh, and they were like, you should come to the US. I, I was okay. And they were like, you should come and give it a crack in the US. And a little bit later, I was on my way to an ice carving competition in Russia. And uh, I, you know, you never invite a New Zealander because we'll just turn up and live at your house. And so I actually <laughs> just hitchhiked. I, I landed in LA. I didn't even tell Eric Wiley, I was coming. I just landed in LA. Um, I hitchhiked down, uh, caught buses, hitchhiked down to to Huntington Beach. And I walked, like now I know about America. I wouldn't do this again. But I literally just knocked, walked in, and he was having sex with his girlfriend. She was on the kitchen bench. (laughs) And that was my introduction to, and Eric Wiley kind of like got over that little incident. And um, and then, and it was awesome. Great way to meet the girl. I can't remember her name. Uh, and then I just lived at different people's houses for like <laughs> the next 10 years. I was just like a, a, a like a, a burden on Chris Mitchell, Eric Wiley, Arlo Eisenberg, Mark Shays, uh, you name it. I just lived on people's couches for a very long time in the States. What an intro. <laughs> what an intro. Yeah. That's a pretty cool way to, uh, that's a pretty cool way to do it. Wow. What an introduction to America. Huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right off the plane, some hitchhiking, hopping on some buses, knocking on the doors, oh, seeing... Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So you weren't a dancer. 
I, I wasn't a dancer, no. Um, How did it go from rollerblade dance team to aggressive they were just They were just touring. I was, I was already, um, I was skating and I, uh, they, we just had skateboarders and BMXs where, we, where I was. And so I just, I'd, I'd skate with them um, and I was doing more of the kind of the stunt stuff, like the, um, uh, the action sports style of skating. And so I was not, in fact, I'm a terrible dancer. I've got like three dance moves, a pretty bad dolphin dive. Um, this one, you guys will have seen this one and uh, a couple of others. But yeah, no, I wasn't on the dance team. But back in those days, it was basically like, Edwards, Parnell, um, Doug Boyce, and a, a, a small group that were in the kind of like the stunt team. And the, but the dance team did all the touring. And so, um, yeah, yeah. So no dancing for me, unfortunately. <laughs> so, but this this is like an explosive time for uh, like the aggressive side of rollerblading. Oh, yeah. Like this, this isn't coming out like before, like there's, you know, like you said, it's like the very beginning you're seeing like Parnell, yeah. Chris Edwards. Uh, Doug Boyce, like that's like early days stuff. So, oh um, yeah, were you introduced to that in California? Were you introduced to that? Did you have an idea of what that was when you were in New Zealand? Yeah, and, and you know what's interesting is like, and all of us wherever we were, um, whether it was Michael Palak or Arlo or any of these people, wherever we were, we were kind of probably doing this reasonably solo. And we got to California, we didn't know how good we were. And when we got to California, it was like we were pleasantly surprised that we we're at a level that meant that we could do it for a job or like like the closest i mean it wasn't really a job we didn't make any real money in the very beginning but we we're able to do it like all the time and um and i wasn't terrible i mean i think listen it's no secret for those of you watching i was not a very good rollerblader i like i was i was, I was pretty <laughs> shit house in fact in fact the, the, what we're going to discover uh, today is that i wasn't very good at anything back then <laughs> outside of just being kind of a loud mouth kind of um um, I think what the term is like a personality, but I had a uh, I had a, an amazing group of people around me, and it was amazing because you could you could just kind of like create every day you went out you'd try something new and sometimes you'd pull it off and sometimes you'd split your chin open. <laughs> That's funny that you so said that because I, I, like doing some research or whatever research I could do on you before we got into this episode, a, lo a lot of things I saw were like Brooke was known he was more of a personality in skating, yeah. you know, and yeah, I never sure. ever thought about you like that in any way. Cause back then, like a, a pro skater, which is a pro skater, you were known for just being able to jump on rails and do all this other shit. Cause there wasn't that much you could do in comparison to how it is now. So if you were like hitting rails and doing all this shit, touring the, the world, like you were pro, yeah. you were up there. So I never thought of you as that way ever. And it's funny that you just said that. Cause you know, that's new to me I'm too. I've been kind of, I think I've probably been conditioned into, into you're right, because every single article says was <laughs> wasn't a great rollerblader. I, you know, I mean, there were times where things would would happen, I'd pull them off. No one was more surprised when I landed it than me. I'm telling you right now. Ah, <laughs> uh, get out of there's here. A, this is, there's, there's this, there's this, there's, 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 no, no, there was, no, actually, I'm being, this is false modesty. I was amazing. I, I, I was yeah, yeah, literally. You, you were great, man. You, you were great. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, get back to that. Don't listen to us. He's trying to feed that. Nah, I'm not saying that. I didn't say I agree with that at all in any way. I'm just saying I never heard that before in any skater, no. let alone you until like today, you know? You know, what was interesting by the time the hoax two came around and we were touring. It was really interesting because you had to try crazy shit because the kids were expecting so much. The hoax came out and then we got on this bus and we're touring around. And I remember just like the pressure on us to do these crazy things 
was already so so massive and so um yeah yeah i mean you had to be reasonably good or uh or it was just like embarrassing <laughs> so uh, yeah yeah anyways yeah you know um I actually think we, we've had Opalik on here and uh, we've had Arlo on here, but you're, you're another person who has been on hoax too, um, that we haven't had on yet. So how did that come to be? What was that like for you? Because that was a huge impact in like in skating yeah. at the time. I think it sold something like an incredible, like some super high number of videos and was in so many yeah. households and just VHS, like it pulled so many, it was like rock star shit. Um, excuse yeah. my French, but yeah, that's okay. And you know, um, we we might talk about this a little bit later, but there is a general um, with the hoax too. There is a general pathway from Arlo through me, and eventually, you should have had Opalik on um, on the podcast last, probably last, second to last, maybe B B or Brian. But um, mm -hmm. and Arlo will talk about this later on. Um, how upset I was that I hadn't been on your podcast. I saw Mike on there. And I was like, they skipped me. It's supposed <laughs> to go Arlo, me, probably Brian, B, and then Mike, if you're watching, then you. And I think Mike will be watching this. Hi, Mike Opelik. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Br Brian's another yeah, one too. I forgot, I, forgot, I forgot the question. Yeah, Brian's doing crazy stuff, right? It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Has he been on the podcast yeah. yet? Unfortunately not. No, we, he we, hasn't. We You're on before him. You've got this thing completely ass backwards, guys. You need to we gotta redo the whole yeah. we gotta redo the whole yeah. series now. Yeah. Yeah. Episode 100%, 100%. One <laughs> yeah, yes, Brian, somewhere Brian is pissed. He is upset. Yeah, so yeah. Well Brian Brian knows the deal. He's a busy man. It's uh is, tough to get yeah. a hold of him, but we would He's love to have him on as well. You're a busy man as well. So we're yeah. happy you made the time for it. You are. You are. Um but yeah, so quickly, hoax too. There's a famous, you know, a lot of times in tours, you're you're in with like a lot of the guys, and there could be a lot of testosterone, a lot of like <laughs> arguing tight spaces. So did you did you find yourself there's a, there's a, a famous line from when uh, I think you and Brian Smith got into it. So was was that was there a lot of tension on tour? Or was that just like a one off kind of situation? That was like obviously a really that was like peak frustration after we'd like that was like 33 days or something that tour and you're in a tight space and i think we made a we vowed to never talk about what that fight was about and someone you know when i i posted um that we were going to do this 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 piece uh, one or two people asked asked about that specific thing if it was real it was very real um i don't know why i would punch myself in the head it, it, didn't, it didn't make much sense at the time but that's yeah. the kind of crazy that stops someone from messing with you in, in, in a bus so yeah, yeah. it, it has a, a very down under vibe you know what i mean like i, I, I have a, something i prepared a little bit earlier for a reenactment <laughs> if you guys want it later on <laughs> we gotta get a yeah. reenactment it'd be sick if you had the same for those who don't know it's store. for those who don't know it's uh, beefing between you and brian smith and a punch in the head equals a it's knife gonna get in the you throat. A knife and the knife in the throat. Look at that. Yeah. That's unbelievable. That I just I, I've been on tour. I've wrestled friends and we and we've got into it and times we've yeah. almost like fought. So, you know, but um that's just a famous line. We had to address that, you know. Yeah, of course. There were a lot of like in those days, because it was there's a lot of testosterone. So like, you know, Arlo and I have been in dust ups in the past. I think like we've got a fame we have a kind of a famous dust up when we're playing basketball once. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of fighting. We were just like crazy testosterone kids back in those days. You know, you're Dustin Latimer, you're Dustin Latimer, Josh Pitt. Oh, you go. Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. no, no. no I, you mentioned, 
because you mentioned basket. Sorry, it's tough with the Zoom sometimes, but uh, I was going to say with with the basketball uh, and you and Arlo getting into dust ups. I, I can see. Are you are you one of those guys on the court that you you talk a little smack? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm <laughs> like we we. I kind of feigned a bit of modesty about like how bad a rollerblader was. I was a terrible person, and that's not exaggeration. I was a horrible, horrible. I was maladjusted. You know, at nineteen, I left home. Uh, came, you know, I was living over there when I was 19 years old and we had this kind of crazy success and I was, um, I didn't adjust to it well. I had no real role models to kind of guide me. And so I was a horrible person. And so often um, I would, yeah, yeah, I would do terrible things like, like talk oh. smack. I mean, I was always talking smack. There's no doubt about it. Um, it's it's finally like nowadays that I, I look back and, and think about how crazy those days were and how... Mm -hmm. Ar specifically arrogant we were, especially um, when we took our success for granted and kind of like, yeah, there's a lot of smack talking for sure. Yeah. Well, let, let me let me real quick say, being I'm I'm from New York City, so if 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 you talk smack playing basketball, we we, we don't call that a horrible person. We call that just like a regular that's normal regular. person. You yeah. know what I mean? That's that's just that's just regular. So yeah. that's just being play playful. So I, I I don't think you're a horrible person in that way. Um, I don't, I don't know what it was like to have that success at, at such yeah. a young age with Senate. Yeah. So, so what was that like, like starting Senate and finding all that success and all of those things? Like, was MTV a yeah. part of this stuff? Like, like what, what was all that like? And at what age was this happening? Yeah, we were like 20, I was like maybe 21 when it was really blowing up. And wow. it was so crazy. We went from, you know, making no money in 93 to 97, you know, 13 million, more than $13 million, sold 700,000 t-shirts. We had this huge warehouse and I was, you know, at the top of my douchebaggery. So I would, I, I went and bought um, an Audi with cash, right? We, I tried to buy, um, what did I try to buy? Can't remember what the name of the car. Anyway, so I went and tried to buy a car with Jess Darrenforth and the guy wouldn't sell us the car because we had $40,000 in cash and he thought we were drug dealers. <laughs> and then, and then, so I went to the Audi dealership. We bought a brand new Audi. And every day I would come into the car park at Senate, this is douchebaggery, and slide like if I could into the car park. Um, it was horrible. <laughs> but the success was, <laughs> it was, it was, it was overnight success. And it was, it was truly incredible because, uh, you know, we, we went from being very, very broke in the very early days. Um, we would, and these are kind of like some interesting stories. So there's two stories. One, I remember Katie Bloomy would bring us like food, like little food packages. We lived at this place called Spawn Ranch and there would have been like 10 of us there. It was so crazy that Scott Bentley for a while slept under the dining room table and he had a futon under the dining room table and the door, the back door would open up into his head when he was like, and we just had this whole place crammed with people. There were a couple of ramps in the backyard, Spawn Ranch it was called. And, uh, and we had no food. The dishes were all backed up. We would go get rice and then go to Taco Bell and McDonald's and get like sauces and make kind of like a rice stir fry saucy thing. And and it went from that to being very, very wealthy, like $15,000 a month checks at 21. And you were wow. just just spending it on, on just, just stupid, stupid shit. Um, but it was an amazing time, obviously, for rollerblading. We all look back and like... Um, crazy days because it just blew up so fast and became you know the, the largest pastime in america really rapidly overnight and it, it was it was a pretty cool time to be there
That's, wow. That's awesome. That's, that's really cool. Do you, um, do you think that happened actually, like, too quick? My bad, Billy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of argument like that. That's a big question. Like what, how, how did it kind of launch like this and then fall away? Um, and maybe it was too quick, but uh, certainly it was too quick for us to realize what was happening. We, I think like we made jokes that at Senate, we could make anything and it would sell, you know, in those, that 95, six, seven period, it was just like anything you could shit in a, in a jar. I think that was an actual joke. We said we could shit in a jar, put Senate on it and it would sell. <laughs> um, and that, that doesn't really prepare you for the harder days when, you know, the demand starts to, you know, fall away. And so with Senate, especially, it was kind of like, it went like this and then it just like, boom, started falling away. Uh, 98 99 and so yeah wow um that's that must be yeah that's that's really intense and that must be like so much to handle at that age especially like you said it doesn't really prepare you for the for the harder days when you have like that overnight success and like it kind of goes yeah. easy and like you said you could put uh you know shit in a jar and put a senate thing on and sell it and it's good but um I want to talk more about this, but we do actually have a, a special guest later. So I, I, I want to kind of put this to the side for yeah. now, maybe come back, come back to this if we could. Um, yeah. But let's, I'm going to get further into your life, but just touch on, on rollerblading a little bit more before we get into like what you did past that. Um, so somewhere down the line, you create one of the most iconic clothing companies in England and yeah. have some, we just, we just had a WTF with uh, Dustin Latimer and this is like early Dustin Latimer and with, uh, you know, Josh Petty in his prime and John Julio, like what an epic like team. And you went on to add other people as well, but just like that three piece in the beginning, this like what they yeah. all went on to do with skating and what they mm -hmm. all, uh, the, the contribution. So, so where did that come from and what, what was that about? I mean, I just have so much love for John Julio. And I think I, there was so much of it was just wanting to build something around the unique um, aesthetic that he brought to rollerblading. He was just so different to everybody else. The way he carries himself as a human being is, you know, we were like, if we were all kind of young and crazy kids, he just had this old soul and a brilliance about him, a creativity and a style that was amazing. And so when you start with him, and then you add Dustin, who, you know, showing that clip a second ago, I just, DL is just an amazing human being as well. And someone, I was like, really, I was just like, when you showed that clip, I was like, I miss those guys so much. Um, Julio and Dustin and Petty, uh, you know, those were crazy days. And we were just so lucky with Senate and England um, to be around such brilliant, creative um, and talented people. Like, I mean, John, John is, you know, and he's the thing about John is he's consistently been um, so creative. Like, you know, you're talking about nearly 30 years now for him to be at the top of the game, still an incredible skater, but also creating um, these amazing projects. And uh, so shout out to John Julio. Huge shout out to John Julio. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was just like such an early. I remember um, <clears throat> seeing volume and that just being having such yeah. an impact. Oh, yeah. yeah, that uh, everything in that and just like, yeah, just the, I think that was like the first of its kind, like with so many different things, like just like the three piece team and having such a long video, like most videos were just like having such a combination of, of people, but it was just three people responsible for this huge piece, a lot of it in black and white um yeah shot in england and this uh you know they had like tj weber lines with john julio cutting in and out yeah. and that was like the first of its kind and 
all this yeah. stuff. And obviously these people that went on to contribute so much to skating. So that was just a huge part in the progression of the skate culture as well. Yeah, that's some great memories. Um, specifically, there's this one moment, I don't know if it was in volume, uh, that Dustin Latimer um, doing the Aleut Fish in that in the in the bank i've got a i've got like a, a poster it's actually over yeah, in my room the ditch, over there the ditch, yeah. and yeah mm -hmm. the ditch and it's my that's my nephew who's now to give you context of time he's like 32 and there's like this five-year-old kid walking down through the through the ditch i mean that's just like and that was laguna somewhere around laguna beach jess the amazing jess Darrenforth, um shot that photo and it's just like again it's latimer like what an incredible style that guy had had and has yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, no, that, Weber, that, that's Jesus. crazy. TJ, TJ bloody Weber. I mean, hello, to, wherever you are, TJ. I think I saw him like hanging with some people the other day, right? So TJ is kind of lurking around. I, I think he might have. He shows up randomly to like some events. He might have been at the Blade Cup. Uh, that that wouldn't shock yeah. me. He, he like stays in touch with like the some Dave Dave Payne and some of those guys. So. I feel like John Julio connects with everyone, so he, he would probably Yeah, that's know. right. But that's yeah, it. John Julio is like the source. Yeah. yeah. He is the source. Um he is kind of like the it'd be hard to pin which character in the Matrix Julio is. Because he's kind of like <laughs> architect and Neo all like rolled into one. Mm, and the Oracle. Yeah, he's, he's, he's the Oracle. He's like the or Oracle and like also Morpheus. It's it's tough he to is, say. He's all of it. Let's he's just call John Julio. He's the Matrix. Yeah. John Julio is the Matrix. I'm good with He's the Matrix. <laughs> well, on that topic, who do you think is like the most influential person in skating history? Because I feel like there's yeah. a lot of there was a lot of people in in that time too. Yeah, and you know it's something. It's really interesting. And Alo and I might have even had a little like that. We might have touched on this when we reconnected. That 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 baton is definitely handed to John Julio. Like. Like, you know, obviously in our day, Arlo was like um, an indisputed kind of unstoppable force and always will be. But the, just for sheer constant, consistent effort, application and excellence, John Julio is like, I mean, the whole sport. Um, he's changed it every month of every year since 1995. And, you know, that's, that's, that's a pretty incredible thing to say, right? Yeah, no, the, the commitment and just like the amount yeah. of what he's been able to bring and introduce, it's unparalleled. Huge shout out to John Julio. Maybe um, only me. Maybe only me. You would say probably me and John Julio. The two I'd probably say it's, it's, a it's, it's a toss up. It's a toss yeah. up. But I can now, see I, as you are, you're humble. So you're giving it to John, which is before we go. Before, that up. Yeah, but before we make like too big a deal about John Julio, you just need there was that period where he did the side he invented the sidewalk and the other one that i can't remember the name of in mistrial so it's not like the mistrial yeah there was a couple there he invented that were um significant missteps but they've been erased it's like maybe that's why he's worked so hard <laughs> for like 30 years he's like how do i make up for sidewalks so <laughs> he's today, still paying his tribute yeah, he is today we will decide whether or not he has erased that legacy we'll be like okay it's done you paid your you paid your penance john yeah <laughs> 
Well, it's it's finally done. Well, well, speaking of inventing tricks, whatever. I, from what I understand, you invented one of the most famous tricks ever, Royale or Shifty Royale, because we spoke about this when we had Michael Palak on the show yeah, as well, yeah. and we were trying to differentiate the difference between where there where there was a Shifty Royale when you invented it, or like a Royale, or what the difference was. Could you shine some light on this topic for us? Well, I think first we're learning a lesson here. If you'd had me on the show before Mike, you wouldn't have had to go through that entire mess of him trying to figure that out, right? <laughs> so if, if you just follow the format, Arlo, Brooke, Brian, B, Mike, then it's fine. But you guys decided to just change it up. We fucked up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so Royale was, um, and you know, every now and then, despite being talentless, uh, something will go right. And there was a day uh, where we were shooting for vertical access, access, and Arlo, and it was so crazy in those days because you could just go like, hey, why don't we just do this? And um, we'd already started doing shifties and God, there'll be some fucking idiots in Australia who'll start going on and on about shifties and royales and stuff. I've, I, I stopped listening to them along. If you're watching um, Pinkus and the rest of you who claim that shifties are royales and that they came from like a wombat invented them in 1985, <laughs> um, but... That, it's not true. Like so, the, the shifty started on this this rail, um, and Arlo jumps it, does a three sixty over it at the start of the hoax. And there's a rail there that we it's like a really like flat rail, and we started kind of like twisting the bodies, and we're able to kind of like twist and shift. And then as you were doing that, we you know found that you were on the back, the two edges of the skates. And then we went to we were shooting with um, I wish I could remember his name, Bruce Benedict, I think is his name. Uh, vertical axis and we Arlo and I there was a couple of short rails at, at UCLA and we, we were doing some really like we we're like okay let's let's try some stuff and Arlo tried what was what became a fast slide there um I did a switch sole which is like which was like and classically and this is just the case like I'm sure Arlo will tell you this he is like methodical and he will like plan and execute i would just like jump and like squiggle my feet over the rail and hope something went right and uh and it, at, at some point in time i kind of like thought what if I, we laid the boot down and it started working and you could feel that you could put weight on it and then the royale was um the royale was born and very lucky and there has been a campaign Australians are not trustworthy. I think that's the first thing. I think Scott Crawford is, <laughs> is, is is watching this. Scott is the most trustworthy Australian, and he's still like probably like a six out of ten. But <laughs> so if you if you like if you if you want to, I'm sure they've invented something in Australia, but it wasn't the royal. That's what I'm saying. Boom. Have you guys have you interviewed in Australia? Have you have you we interviewed had, we had in Scott, Australia? We had Scott on the show. Scott uh, we, Crawford before me? What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think we ever discussed the the start of the, the Shifty or Royale, but I was just curious about the clarification on the difference between the two, but you're saying they claimed it in Australia first? Is is Scott a Patreon? Is that what you're doing? Are you working no. through your Patreon supporters? Is there, what's the deal? If I'd just given you 50 bucks, would I have been on the show earlier? I mean, we'll take the 50 bucks, but I don't think they would have gotten you on the show any earlier. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, sorry, back, back to back. No, you, 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 you know what it really is? Because uh, I feel like we should address this really fast. Um, before COVID, before COVID, we just did lives. There was no Zooms. I see. So we just, see. we've only started doing Zooms maybe a year and a half ago. And then when we got into Zooms, um, 
Scott Crawford's in the we, chat. We, we should have prioritized you. You know, I, we should, I knew he'd be, I knew he'd be in, he'd be in here trying to claim <laughs> but, some stuff. But, but, but Scott was on live. Yeah, Scott was Scott, on live when Austin was in Australia. So yeah, that was... is that right? Is that right? Yeah. Never so made it to New Zealand. no, no. Well, um, uh, you know, come to New Zealand. We'd love to have you here with your. You're our first Kiwi on the show, actually. You have yeah, that? and that yeah, I that. would have been really pissed if there was another Kiwi on before. The <laughs> Scott Bentley would be great on the show, and and sorry, I should have pointed out like before you guys started watching. Last night was like we, we've got a like a big work project on and it was a Christmas drinks. And so I'm probably still a little bit drunk. But <laughs> Scott would have been proper drunk on the show. He would have really dropped the hammer. Hey, wherever you are right now, Scott is probably drunk. Um so shout out to Scott Bentley. So we need Scott good. drunk on the show. <laughs> got it. Yeah. Why that to the list? Somebody, yeah, absolutely done. <laughs> nice. So, Okay, we we still we don't want to cover too many in this uh, because we got a special guest on that we got to oh, yeah, pull on. Right. But I want I, I want to quickly touch on. Yeah, let's talk about how amazing. Let's talk about how amazing I am now. Or, well, let's no, do this. No, exa no, ex exactly, exactly. Let's let's do that really quick. Um, so at, at some point at the end of skating, you start to maybe realize I don't know, like oh, I should do something else. Maybe skating starting to go in a certain direction that's not working, and I got to transition. I got to move back home. What happened? You left California. How was that transition transition back home? And how did you get into a, uh, what you're doing now? I think it's a reasonably well documented story. It wasn't like I decided to leave. Arlo got me kicked out, and so I, <laughs> so I, like I was coming back, and it's, it's not, it's we we build it up like it's it's a, a, an Arlo thing. It was me. I was coming back through with like a, a a pretty tattered passport into Boston just after the X Games in '97. Is that right? And um, and they pulled me up, and then they called Arlo. Um, to like who I said this guy can vouch for me that I'm like that I'm like a tourist, and I'm going to go stay at his house, and it didn't go perfectly well, and so they handcuffed me, put me on a plane, and told everyone I was a terrorist and shipped me back to Austria. What? And then I had to, then I then they wouldn't let me into Austria, and then I had to convince them. It's a long story. It's yeah, I mean it's very salty wound, guys. But so that was really the end of me being able to easily get into the US. There was one more, um, there was one more time where I snuck in um, through Montreal into into the US, like '99, for a uh, like a, a a competition, and that was the last time I kind of uh, second last time I came to the US. But the last time, I mean, you, you can't really do this without living in the US. So, but I was a really bad rollerblader by then. Like I was genuinely not able to, and people would expect me to be better. And so I was like, yeah, I, I, I give up on this. <laughs> Makes sense. So that's what happened. Okay. Did so I, did but, I, so then, was there enough no, so blame at Arlo's feet? No, there? no. And, and, He'll be able to defend himself and, and, a little bit. And, and, and I'm sorry. I, I didn't know, know it was a, a salty wound. Um, oh, but, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Amazing. So you end up going back to, okay. Yeah. So, so you end up going, going back, back to New Zealand. Zealand. Yes, yeah, sorry, sorry, but it's a bit of a delay there. So yeah, I ended up going back to New Zealand. And you know where we talked about how great Senate went and like we thought we were geniuses. So I started Pointer from New Zealand um, and then blew like nearly a million dollars on that. And I was like, oh, I wasn't a genius. It was just a huge, unbelievable like uh, series of kind of waves that we we're riding. 
And Pointer kind of like, you know, obviously didn't go as well as we thought. We were fucking close to pulling it off. But the by then the industry was starting to, was definitely falling away. Um, and uh, yeah, so long story short, boom, back in New Zealand. And, you know, from being 21 and driving a brand new Audi, uh, and there's lots of great stories about, you know, destroying the Audi. Um, but from being 21 and being this very arrogant kid with the Audi, 30 years old, I was back and living with my parents in New Zealand, broke, but still handsome. That's important. So you had a lot going for you, but so, so, so you're like, the... okay, I've, I've lost it all, but I yeah. still look good. I got a great personality. Yes. What can we, what can yes. we do with this? <laughs> exactly. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, so I was back in New Zealand at 30 by then and, um, and, and yeah, and then just kind of reset. And the only thing there that was like the only profession as easy as being a professional skater was um, being a TV presenter, which was super easy. You kind of just talked at a camera. And so I, I did that for 12, 13 years and, um, and then started building companies. So that's kind of like what I've done since rollerblading. Yeah, um, I, I was looking because, you know, not a lot of rollerbladers have a Wikipedia. You have a Wikipedia. So I was like, I mean, wow, I, wrote, I, I wrote, I wrote the Wikipedia, Billy. I wrote the, okay. <laughs> looks good. But, but okay, what is so this? let's get. So is this like an inquisition? Is this an inquisition? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think it is? It's an interview with tell all. Come on. <laughs> I didn't write so... all of the Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> Almost all of it. No, I didn't write so you, you did some philanthropy too. You, you did an event that raised $2.7 million. That's a huge deal. Yeah, we had an earthquake here in Christchurch in 2011. 185 people died. It was a real uh, a real tragedy. And I uh, at the time I was doing TV and I posted on Facebook like this is we should have a telephone and then um, and then the, the post went viral and then we ended up uh, building a really cool telephone that helped raise money for Christchurch. It was really, really, really cool. A great, great experience. And then I kind of really enjoyed that. The working in philanthropy is great. There's like multiple kind of highs you get from it. The, the putting the, the show together, the um, raising the money, getting the, the total, giving the money to people is really awesome. And then seeing it put to work is really great as well. So that was like, uh, a, a few years of my life, four or five years, with just basically building big charity events. That's a lot of work. So look at like. that. Look at that. You said you self-described douchebag. You said at 21, driving an Audi. Fast forward into your 30s, and you're doing 2.7 million for for a charity to give That's back, right. doing some philanthropy. Look at the growth. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. It really. It was. I'm slowly becoming a better person. Did, did it take the crumble of a multi-million dollar business to and living back on your parent at your parents' house to make you do more charity yeah. work or something? There have been multiple like times where I've been pulled back down to earth. So I had like some pretty bad like things where I just kind of definitely tripped up throughout throughout life. And I think the charity was that that was penance. So like that was me doing like I had some big not invent the sidewalk bad stuff like <laughs> not as bad as that but stuff that i had to make up for. and so that that charity stuff really helped me kind of um get back on my feet and get a sense of self-worth that was a little bit more grounded in something more than um i guess financial success or some of the things that i thought were um the key markers for self-worth before then so um yeah 
if that makes any sense. Purpose has become a really big part of what drives me um, since then. That comes with maturity too, I think, as well. So it was might have been bound to happen, might have not been, but we're glad it did. Yeah, that's awesome. Glad yeah. it did. That's incredible. Yeah. And that's that's really cool to hear. And uh, yeah, looking at all the things you've done after skating is has been really cool to see. Um, I have a couple more things I wanted to touch on before we brought in our special guest. But uh, one of those things is, you know, I found with a lot of my friends who've had other talents uh, or been very talented people within rollerblading, they've gone to be talented in other places. Um, sometimes the association and the negative association, especially in the early 2000s of having been a rollerblader can sometimes be a barrier in other fields. And I'm wondering, uh, since you were specifically in the entertainment field, if you ran into any situations where you felt maybe like shy or hesitant to like talk about your rollerblading past, or if there's any like pushback in this way or any like uh, places where it was like, oh, this is maybe uh, more beneficial to not talk about it or something like that. Well, I mean, the first show I did here, they were action sports shows. So, like, I was I was XAIR and XSTV. And so I would try to include rollerblading in there. But definitely, like, New Zealand was pretty kind of hardcore. And, of course, the anti-rollerblade kind of brigade were pretty strong. Um, and so uh, certainly, like, it was something you caught a lot of flack for. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think it's really, it's been really interesting watching that subside and, um, and, and, and dissipate um, over the years. Like now it's, I, I, you know, we talk about counterculture and what job, you know, I, it's, it's so cool seeing um, the resurgence that appears to be happening right now. And it's, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's really, really neat. So um, there's, there's like a lot of people, there's some people in, in New Zealand that were surprised I stopped skating, but my, um, my reasoning for that, and it still stands, I think the last two times I have, it's because I've been with like old friends, like the last, you know, it'd be like I'm with, um, you know, if I catch up with, if I caught up with Arlo and B or people like that, I'd skate again because it's that, that's mm -hmm. the context. Um, the friends were, that was the reason I did it. When I came back, I went skating with some of the younger guys, but it was just not the same as skating, skating with my, my mates. And so I kind of stopped right. doing it. And now I now I wish I'd kept going. But the truth is, I mean, the other truth is, is that again, I was really bad. And I got I got every, <laughs> every time it was like incredible if I'd finish a session and not be seriously hurt. So um, I think my body is reasonably grateful that I did stop when I did. No, I, I, I agree. And I don't, I don't think there's like anything like, oh, do you have to be committed to skating or not or anything like that? Because, you know, you certainly get older and you find like different challenges in your body and like, you know, you go on to different things and also like tough to go to the skate park and there's these younger guys and you're getting older. So it's good to skate, like you said, with your mates and like have fun in that way. But I've just found like, especially like, you know, for a while I was getting into playing music and I was in like Southern California. We were like meeting, playing with other bands and they were like really liking us like, oh, we really we really like you guys. Like, how do you guys know each other? And we're like, well, we know each other from, from blading. Like we skate together and they'd be like, what, what dude you do? what yeah. you blade? So, so like those things. Yeah. And I was just curious, especially specifically in entertainment, if like you had had those moments where like it yeah. had come up. Uh, yeah. I mean, I still have friends that think it's hilarious. Yeah. And, and these are, these are grown people. All of us do. Yeah. <laughs> and, and family. And you know, it's yeah, these are grown people who have no idea about just like the sense of like this arbitrary selection of a sport's credibility based on like just like 
um, cultures. It's like, it's quite incredible that like yeah. 40, 40 or 50 year old people still buy into that is, is amazing. But I mean, that's, yeah. that's on them. That's what they do. I mean, I, 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 I am so grateful for that period of my life. It gave me some of my, my lifelong friends. Um, I think, you know, my favorite thing I ever said on rollerblading is you get two things from rollerblading, good friends and bad needs. And <laughs> and that's that's just the the nature of it. I, I think we just um, uh, you know what can you do, guys? I mean, the people are going to be. That's a great one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so that said, I think I would I would say I certainly walk taller about it now because I came. I've 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 come to grips more with um, the rationale behind it and the weakness in other people is like their ability to kind of buy into that that myth is something that i no longer really give any credit to that's cool because i think that's like naturally changing in society anyway just like people are learning to be more aware and conscious and accepting of others with whatever group but like you know you know groups in different areas generally more marginalized groups are being paid attention to yeah. our and these things are important so i think just like as a byproduct people are kind of being more accepting and general which is um like you said good friends and bad knees i think that's a really good slogan for uh what skating can bring to us and i can absolutely relate it brings the best friends and it can bring some trouble to the knees if you do it for some long time and get older but um speaking of good friends i feel like it might be time to bring in one of our special yeah. good friends i hope they're around and i hope they have a bell just in case and maybe <laughs> might have some things to say to comment on what's already been said thus far um, maybe you might have to challenge you on on some things that have already been claimed. I don't know. This is like one of your, uh, like you said, good mates for a long time. So, uh, Austin, sure. do we have our guest queued up? Uh, our guest is queued up, and it looks Perfect. like he's ready to go. His pants are on. Please, everybody, welcome oh, our sure. second special guest, Arlo Eisenberg. There we go. Boom. <laughs> How do you know my pants are on? Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. I you don't, don't know. know that. That's true. Don't stand up. <laughs> Shirts I, <wanna> know. <laughs> I would definitely be ringing the bell if I heard that one. Is that what you were doing? You were taking your <laughs> pants off and not putting your pants back on? The, yeah. The nice thing about not having pants on is you never have to take them off. That's true. Yeah. I, I mean, you're already ready. I do a lot of podcasts without pants on too. No one can tell because I don't have a, you can't see my legs. It's hot. Actually, you know what? Actually, what I was doing, it's true. Since you're talking about taking the pants off, I actually was just. Uh, putting some sh some of my shit into a jar. And, wow! Uh, Did you make some... a sit Senate shit jar? Put <laughs> drug receipts shit in a jar. <laughs> How much that cost? What you selling that for? Uh, you name the you name the price, Arlo. I'm, I, I'm... How, do you have crypto? Yeah. How do much ETH? How, How much ETH that cost? Exactly. <laughs> Hey, I, I know that people are wanna, gonna wanna ask this, like, and I haven't been in the United States for a long time. Um, I've recently reconnected with Mark Shays, who has that same style of t-shirt that he wears all the time. And I don't know, is it something that's happening there? Like, like middle-aged men, middle men are just are wearing these kind of, stand up, give us a little twirl, Alan. What's going on? <laughs> no, he has no pants on, he can't do that. I, Brooke, I don't think that new, a midlife crisis is a new phenomenon, right? No, I don't. It's not yeah. something particular to now that's happening. I think it's been going on for as long as men have been turning middle aged. Yeah, I'm, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Anyways, like so I, I think when we when we get to a, a point on this and in, in this interview, if it's going well, I, too, am going to take my shirt off. That's that's okay. just my my guarantee. 
Well, as long as as long as we're in the burning section of the podcast, not everyone can pull off a faux hawk. So some of us have to slum it with a tank top too. <laughs> yeah, you know what's interesting is that this is kind of like I don't even know what this is. We've been in lockdown here for 110 days, and this guy started cutting my hair. You know how that usually they ask you what you want, yeah. but he he seemed to think that this was this was what the kids were doing. Arlo, is that not true? <laughs> Okay. I, I'm not, I'm not the right person to ask. I have no idea. Arlo is another trends in New Zealand right now. Yeah. I go yeah. to, I used to have a barber in California, uh, who was yes. Brandon Campbell, right? We all know Brandon Campbell. He like became a barber. He was working, um, at some pretty rad barber shops in Costa Mesa. Um, and he opened his own eventually. Um, so I used to always get my haircut from Brandon. That was sick. Uh, <laughs> but since I've been in Dallas, I don't have a barber anymore. So I just go to a generic place and it's basically like oh. Russian roulette. Right? Supercuts? It's, it's, it's this <laughs> pretty, kind of pretty much. It's like the rock and roll supercuts. They call it Floyd's. Uh, but I just, I don't, they always give me their card and like, hey, you want to come back to me next time? And I just, I take whoever is available. Great, Look, great, my, great, 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 great story, Arlo. Oh my God, like gold. You guys, uh -huh. you guys already ran over all the stuff, all the good stuff, like me getting you kicked out of the country. So I, well, we, I feel like we, I have nothing left to talk about. No, no, we, we got to go over that. Oh, we, no. You, you stopped we, the we, we, stuff on I, that I was going to, I was, but. I was going to say, we, we have to mention, like, I, I was trying to stop us there a little bit. We, we got to talk about that, that early days Senate stuff, like the stopped in the country. What was your experience? No, on no, that? no. I don't know. No, no, let's, no, let's, let's no. hear more about Arlo's shopping experiences in Dallas. Uh, no. Arlo, My haircut. <laughs> listen, Brooke, you're the one that talked about your haircut and you're like, is that everyone's experience? You know, aren't they just okay. supposed to ask you what you want for your hair? I was trying okay, true, true. to, I was trying to just, riff off of you. We're riffing, we're riffing guys. This yeah. is riffing. This is great. Some of that right, old, old Senate banter. So, so this is friendship. It is. This is friendship. This is organic right now. Yeah. But let's this is what start. friendship looks like. Let's start. I just the saw... podcast equivalent of skating with your mates. <laughs> yeah. You know, when we when we added Arlo, we thought it would add. I just saw three people leave the podcast. You can see the people. <laughs> away. Yeah, that's probably your mom, your dad, and your wife. I'm calling. I'm calling Michael Pellick now just to see if he can sub in for you, dude. That's how that's what we're doing. Okay. Um, so anyway, so let's let's go back to, to Senate and the hoax. Um, let's make like, first. Well, well can, can we real quick, can we, can we go even before that? Because oh, yeah, sure. you guys, when Arlo, when you moved out to California, you moved out and you met Brooke in Venice or something like that, right? That's right. Uh, yeah, he, so he was Brooke told the down. story about when he came out to California. And, you know, I had a very similar origin story just about a year later. I saw Team Rollerblade in Dallas, uh, made the same decision, the same gamble. Well, I guess California is the place to be. I moved out there. And Brooke was the first person who I ran into who was kind of already connected to the scene. Uh, and he really took me under his wing and sort of introduced me to um, the skate scene. The skate professionals in California got me booked on my first shows. Uh, he actually went into my my place of employment at a you know a sporting goods shop and quit my job for me. What? Yeah, that's right. We were yeah. going to do our first tour in uh, in Austria in Germany. <laughs> to, I think we were doing either ultra wheels or it wouldn't have been oxygen yet. It must have been. No, ultra it, was, wheels. It, it was it was like whatever the the precursor to that was. You know what? Do you, I don't know if that was the tour where we discovered Red Bull, right? They, they yeah. So Red Bull wasn't in the U.S. yet, and everyone drank Red Bull and vodka, basically, were the, was the mixed drink whenever you went to the nightclubs. 
yeah, so our, our, our introduction to Red Bull was on those early um, skating tours. Wait, Brooke, how did, you go in and, how did you go in and get Arlo, make him quit his job? How did you quit his job for him? You know what's amazing? This is going to happen. And Arlo and I haven't caught up a lot. Like, we're just starting to get back into the catch. I he doesn't remember. totally forgotten that. I totally forgot so, that. No, I have vague, vague oh, memory of okay. that. Yeah. No, you tell, you tell the story. So at the time, I'm... Um... Well, but so, I, yeah, I was working at a, a sporting goods shop in Santa Monica yeah. on uh, the Third Street Promenade, I think is what it's called, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And they also started carrying rollerblades at the shop. And so I was helping, like, in the rollerblading shop. Like, they would, I think they would rent them out there, and people could buy wheels and buy skates. Um, but at the same time, Brooke had started getting me booked on rollerblade shows, and, you know, I started getting into that world. And yeah. we got booked to do uh, shows at the big... Um, ispo trade show in ISPO. germany in munich germany yeah and that would have been my first time traveling to uh my first time traveling abroad at all honestly um yeah. traveling for skating but uh traveling for skating certainly but traveling out of the country under any circumstance that was my first trip so it was a big deal and felt very uh unreal it like didn't seem like it was possible um but for brooke Either it was old hat for him already. I mean, I guess for him, even coming to the States was already international travel. Uh, so he was a little less, I think, intimidated or phased by it, uh, but also probably a lot good, a lot better at, um, you know, putting on a, a confident front. Um, but so he's like, mate, you know, you're, you're not ever going back to that job again. And honestly, yeah. the, my, the, the boss was a, kind of an asshole. I mean, not kind of an asshole. He was an asshole. Like that was his bit. Like he was, it was almost like cartoonish, um, like <laughs> came out of like a, a sitcom or central casting. Um, but so there would have also been some kind of like um, joy in, in quitting or telling that guy, you know, take this job and shove it. But, and I don't know why, it maybe I, maybe I was too no, I, timid. I, remember, I don't know why I it came to Brooke was going to do it for me, but that, yeah. yeah. What happened? No, I do remember that. I remember you not wanting to do it. And so we went in and we're sitting yeah. in this, like the, yeah. the, roller, the little rollerblade closet, right? They turned like the back room into kind of the rollerblade rental shop and it had like a little door that faced yeah. the, the um, retail area. But so we're back there in the back room, all sitting on probably like fold out chairs. And Brooke is telling this guy, and like, by the way, you, you don't have to do this. The guy, guy doesn't care. He doesn't need the explanation. All I do is say, you know, I, I'm moving on or I, I you know, I, I'm giving my notice. But you know, we went in, it had to be very dramatic. And Brooke's like, you know, you don't understand, you know, he's going to be a professional skater and he's going to be a big star or whatever. And he's never coming back here. So he's, you know, take this job and shove it or whatever the words were. But yeah. We showed that guy. We showed him. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, I say that he was an asshole and he was, but I didn't mind the guy. I got along with him and I, like, I would give him rollerblading lessons down in San Monica and he, he could not stand up on skates, but I mean, I, I, I don't wish anything bad on the guy. It's just a funny story. Yeah. He's just an asshole. That, that happens, you know? Yeah. Um, and wow, then I got so broke out of the country. That's, that's a payback. And, so, yeah, so, that, yeah, that's, that's gratitude right. for you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. We've got to touch on that. Yeah. Should we, should we, should we just, let's just get that out of the way. Cause it's going to keep coming up no matter what. Yeah, I mean, listen, we've already kind of been there and, and it's kind of, it's more comedy than anything, but of yeah. course, it, it's also, um, it's also formative. The rest of my life, which has been amazing, wouldn't have happened. I'd be dead by now. There's no doubt I'd be dead because I didn't discover drugs until after America. Like I would <laughs> definitely, if I discovered drugs in America, I'd be dead now. 
Mm-hmm. I'd be, so you know what, I would, have been, I would have been in a really cool part of the Narcos series. That's what would have happened. Oh, they'll be like, <laughs> oh, it's just God. this one New Zealand character that gets killed, like, near the end. <laughs> but what, Arla, what did you say that, that flagged Brooke and got him sent back to Austria? Do you remember? Yeah, no, I, I didn't say anything. Or, uh. So I was, I was at Jess's house. Uh, we, you know, I would spend a lot of time in Laguna. We worked on Daily Bread a lot down in Laguna. And it was the middle of the night. Um, and so Jess got a phone call at his house and back then it would have been on a landline. Um, so, you know, kind of stirred us from our sleep and he's like, uh, it's for you. It's like INS or something. I mean, all this, it was very disorienting and confusing in the middle of the night. And so, you know, they, they said, this is officer so-and-so with the department of our, back then it would have been INS or whatever. And they were with Brooke and they said, we just want to ask you some questions. We've got, you know, Mr. Howard Smith here. Uh, he, you know, he's wants to reenter. I'm bullshitting because I don't know what they said, but the, the, um, bottom line was they asked me some questions to verify or corroborate whatever story Brooke had told them. And I had not been briefed on what our story was. <laughs> so I just thought I was doing Brooke a solid, like answering the questions. Honestly, they're like, Oh, do you, are you and Mr. Howard Smith in business together? I'm like, Oh yeah. You know, we started sending, you know. <laughs> It's going really well. And like, so does he work in the States? I'm like, yeah, we got an office in Huntington Beach, you know, uh, and they say, okay, thank you very much. And so all of that was the exact wrong answers. Cause when you overstay your visa and you don't have a work visa, they don't want to hear that you're working in the United States. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, sorry, Mr. Smith. And they stamped his passport and they kicked him out and they said, you're never, they said, Hey, we've got a, <laughs> we've got a message from, uh, the manager at Arlo's old job. He said, you are out of here and you're never coming back. Joke's on you. <laughs> the manager no i mean obviously Man. the last part is bullshit <laughs> they did not hear from my old uh manager at the retail shop but he did get he did get booted out with prejudice like it wasn't just we're sending you back it's like we are we are uh invalidating your passport and you can't come back in for five or seven years or something but somehow brooke has stretched that into 30 years yeah that's yeah that's no i mean i'm trying me for the whole thing I'm trying to come back in now. I'm trying to, I just applied for my visa, see if I can, and we'll see if they've forgotten. Uh, you know, at Boston, I had like six hours. It was the last flight that came in and there was six hours till the morning flight to send me back to Austria. And I started talking to these people and I had my skates there and I, you know, I was, you know, they were like, oh, X Games, that's kind of cool. And so we started talking and I made friends with them and I had this idea. I was like, you know, what would be funny is if you cuffed me and walked me onto the plane and made a really big deal about it. No way. And, 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 you know, and then, and they, they, they really got into this. And so they, they put me back on the plane. They said, please, under no circumstances, give him his passport until we're, you're over international, you know, um, water. And the, the, the flight crew were like, oh, okay. And they cleared seats around me. And I thought it was hilarious. What I didn't count on was obviously they relayed this to Austria. And so I got into Austria and they wouldn't let me into Austria. And luckily, there's a, a great guy, um, uh, August Stangl is his name, Caesar, and he yeah. played football in, in Austria. And so, like, that's your god there. And he was able to talk these guys into letting me into the country. But, like, my, my, my comedy, obviously, not doing me any favors there. <laughs> and August is from Oxygen, right? That's right, yeah. We, we created the AR, the Argon One together. The Arlo. that's something i wanted to talk about too because when we had no idea we were doing with dump street we had michael palak on before you and we asked him about oxygen and 
he said that you were responsible for the design of oxygen for at least the 1.1s or 3.1s, whatever it is. Like, what was the story with all, with all that beginning? I mean, the, the good parts, I'll take credit for the good parts, not the bad parts of those boots. They, there were people that had sketched them out and then we were kind of, we were trying to make them obviously functional by putting the plates, the removable plates in and, um, you know, and then just making up names for things. And this, yeah, so the H block, that was me and then the, the little removable plates. Those were kind of cool skates when you look at them, like visually they were kind of cool skates. Yeah. Not all that practical, not all that practical, sadly. They made a statement when they came on the scene, though, in like '98 or whatever yeah, it right. was. But yeah, it was yeah. early days, yeah, where everyone just figuring it out. Oxygen was great. It was just like a, a really, again, a really cool team. Bentley, um, Opalic. It was great. It's like kind of hiring your friends, and then you realized you'd hired like the four laziest people in rollerblading. <laughs> like, <would> like, <laughs> like getting those guys to wake up was like I was a team manager. It was like stupid. Like just waking that team up was an impossibility. <laughs> did, did oxygen like come to you for that? Like to, they want to start like an aggressive skate side and they came to you. Like, how did that even work yeah, out? I, I can't even remember. I can't even remember um, how it all started and what the deal was. But by then they were kind of fracturing out. Like you had the rollerblade guys with Chris Edwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you had Arlo and Jess and the Rosas team. And then I guess like oxygen was the, was the third major one there. And it was kind of like Tim Ward, Scott Bentley, really seriously, like what the fuck was I thinking with like a, a group of people that were less motivated to get up in the morning, like Scott Bentley, Tim Ward, Michael Pellick. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> well, Brooke, there, there was an actually an interesting time there before the oxygen skates came out. And you'll have to refresh my memory on this if you recall. But where we were touring and going to Austria and traveling with yeah. August and doing shows. And I think possibly since the skates didn't even exist yet, we were probably doing oxygen sco- shows in our own skates, maybe blacking out the labels or something with tape or just not even probably, probably yeah. wasn't even that big a deal. But right. That's a real thing. Right. I, I, I remember they, you no, and Scott, and I think traveling around Austria. They had these terrible skates. Remember them? They were like recreational skates and we were doing yeah, vert that's shows. Right. Uh-huh. We're doing vert shows in these terrible skates yeah. that were like, mm-hmm. and it was, it was, and they kind of, it was a, a ski boot company, Koflak. And there was this little Koflak, town of yeah. Ko, Ko, this little town of Koflak in Austria. Yeah. And the whole town worked for the ski boot company. And we were like the saviors. And, you know, they put everything into these skates. And it was, it was pretty cool. We're, it's really rock starry. Like, it was amazing. The whole town would like, um, would like, you know, party with us. It was really cool. Cool time. Mm-hmm. You were skating vert with just regular rec skates, not even. Oh, they were. They weren't even regular. They were just awful skates, like terrible <laughs> skates. And I think we'd like take wheels out of them, right? That was the only way to kind of. I, I yeah, that was it was a bad bad time. Oh, that's like embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, it was. But as Allah was Allah was saying, like ISPO was this giant show that we'd all go to every year in Germany and Munich, and it was an awesome time traveling and um, and doing these shows in Europe. Mm-hmm. Before before aggressive skating was established, that was that was what it meant to be a professional skater. That was how you made money was doing shows, yeah. doing demos, and mostly that meant you were skating for um, big manufacturers, right? There was yeah. there was no yeah. such thing as like a core industry. Mm. In fact, that's yeah. why uh, Brooke and me, both of our origin stories start not with seeing you know an aggressive team in our hometown. It's it's the team rollerblade came through and they were doing like 
uh, dance performances, things like that. They were shows. Yeah. Um, and when I saw Team Rollerblade in Dallas, actually, they did do a half pipe show, but it usually was part of a you know a bigger traveling mm. kind of uh, yeah. performance. Just dolphins that just do dolphin like like it was. Yeah, it was we all did it. I mean, when yeah, we moved yeah, to California, that's yeah. what we were doing too. Is right doing dolphins, court, uh, choreographed drop ins. <laughs> You know, across <laughs> the, the ramp. That's called dolphins. Oh, that's called dolphins. I think dolphins so, right? is when you all drop. It's like when you all drop in staggered, right, from the same size, like one, 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 yeah, one, right, yeah. What I never knew. Kind that. of, kind oh, of like, oh. kind of like the fountain at Bellagio, but it's rollerbladers <laughs> dropping in. That sounds yeah, fucking cool. dangerous and sketchy as fuck. <laughs> and so it was a big deal to be like the show finisher to do the last trick. And so remember, there's always this bit with like Carlos Cole, like where we'd be standing up on the ramp. And he'd be like, looking, you know, one person be on one side, he'd be on the other, he'd be like, like pointing, like he, he wants you to say, no, go ahead, Carlos, you do it. Attempt your backflip or attempt your, you know, your 540 or whatever. But he's like, huh, you know, are you going to do it or should I do it? Or you know what? <laughs> little, a little bit of uh, old school uh, rollerblading um, uh, dynamics there. Damn, we, we got to bring up some dolphins in skating these days. Maybe that's yeah. what we're missing. <laughs> yeah. But you had to learn vert. Like if you wanted to make money, you had to learn vert. Like yeah. Alu obviously like is, is the only place to make cash. Mm -hmm. So let, let's take it back to the core stuff then, which is what we all here for, which is the start of hoax and Senate, because I don't know if it came around the same time or what, but uh, do you guys remember like one of the first conversations you guys had with starting hoax or Senate? I think did hoax come first? Hoax came first, right? Yeah. And yeah. hoax is kind of funny. I mean, the first thing is the name came about the guys um, down in, in Laguna or like down in, in Costa Mesa Laguna, those guys were making like proper move, movies. And Arlo, Chris Mitchell and I had started filming ourselves skating, right? Arlo, is that like, whose camera was it? Don't know. I don't remember, know. but who, who was who was filming in Costa Mesa? Who are you talking about? Like the bottom line, they were like doing like, actual movies like the bottom line they were making a real movie yeah yeah but, but would we, we've seen that already no i think they were just that was it was starting to happen like they were doing it at a proper job and so arlo and anyways we, we had this 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 camera and we were shooting stuff correct me if i'm wrong arlo ring your bell but it was so <laughs> ghetto it was so ghetto that we would have a tape player with the pixies where is my mind right yeah, and then exactly. we'd press play on the video and the tape player at the same time to show people this video. Yeah. And then this this rumor started that we were making a film and we had no idea how to make a film. And yeah. so that's why it's called The Hoax, because it, yeah. it was just like a fake movie that we that we were telling people we were making. And, <laughs> and then we were lucky enough, like while we were filming this, to run into Evan Stone, who was a real like shooter. And, yeah. and then, and then they start, we, we started like taking our footage and, and showing him. And then he started shooting real footage. But so right there's, there's, there's footage in the hoax from the, from those original early shoots that were just us on yeah. our shitty cam. Like when I split the rail at Santa Monica at the high school and I'm like, yeah. did you film it? You know, did you film it? And like, cause it hurt my ass or whatever. And Brooke is the one behind the camera who laughs. He's like giggling. He's like, yes, you know, it's because he was filming. That it was just us out filming yeah. ourselves. Whose camera was that? I'll tell you a I little think it was story. About I think I brought, I think I had a little camcorder that yeah. I brought from Texas with me. Um, a little digi, one, digi camcorder or something. I lived in this house at the time with Chris Mitchell and his brother. It couldn't brother have been digital, right? It was on tape. Sorry. Yeah, it was, it's things. on tape. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, 
I lived with Chris Mitchell. Like I told you, I, I never, I don't think I paid rent until like 1996. What is that, buddy? There's like geese or something flying by. Crazy. Oh, okay. Texas, man. <laughs> How do I mute? And, and no, you're, you're doing good. Throw it's rocks fine. at the it's geese. Great. Get them out of here. And so we had this house that we crashed at that Chris Mitchell's brother owned. And Mitchell's brother rented it to a porn company, Vivid Videos. Do you remember this, Arlo? Yeah. And and we had the video camera. And this, like, I just don't even, I don't even understand the logic in this. We hid video cameras around the house because we weren't allowed to be there. <laughs> That's for true. Porn. Yeah. And they were, like, making a porn. So they're shooting it anyway, right? Yeah. We could have just waited till the porn came out. Yeah. And we thought we were clever. We hid these cameras and they found them. They got really angry at us that we were yeah videoing the porn um but so speaking gang... of Brooks, if you want to find that porn... it's called gang 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 bang girls nine is the name of that film <laughs> anyway. well, yeah we see a cameo from anyone in there yeah right no. um, in the background but so like this. at at chris mitchell's place i actually put this in my post when i was kind of promoting brooke's appearance today and it sounds like a joke and it kind of is but it's actually a mostly a true story that brooke and i were looking for some reason there was a hustler magazine at uh at mitchell's and it had a, a pictorial spread about oh, yeah. uh like like the supreme court justices or something like in these doing these hardcore sex acts i mean like really raunchy but it was it was, was clar it was clarence thomas that's yeah. it, that's exactly who it was yeah May exactly, rest in peace. exactly yeah um and i guess we just thought it was hilarious or something but you know when we were talking about the idea of doing senate or doing a company which to then didn't have a name yet but there was something really interesting about this idea of, you know, being overtly, you know, corrupt, like sort of playing up to corruption. It's like if you know that you're, you know, you're joining the capitalist system, if you're going to try to make money off of rollerbladers, then don't try to be their bro and be like, hey, you know, you know, we're so cool. Support rollerblades. Be like, hey, we want your money. You know, we're corrupt. And then that's how that's how we got the Stand name. It. We, like we were trying to think of a name that sounded corrupt, like, you know, Congress or you know, the Supreme Court, or, not that the Supreme Court is corrupt, but something sounded like government, you know? Well, I mean, it is kind of now. Well, Anyways, but back then, on. those are different times. <laughs> I never knew that story yes. had a name. Yeah. You know what? I don't think we've ever told that story because yeah. it's, I, I, and I distinctly remember that, the layout. And exactly right. I remember it, the story. That, that sounds like really, it sounds really powerful and strong, right? Yeah. And then we, and then BK, it'd be, you haven't had Brian Kanowski on, have you? Nope. Good. Good. Have you, do you know who Brian Kanowski is? <laughs> of course. Yes. Okay. Yes. Good. good. Yeah. Um, he's, he's lovely, but you know, BK and uh, what's the deal? You, the little rappers did he printed the things? How did he get himself involved? <laughs> his, what the fuck? his father had like a, a machine yeah. shop or, or they had That's something right. in the garage, maybe what it was. Yeah. But so they made the first metal wrenches. And packaged, That's right. he packed, he got them packaged like in little yeah. Ziploc bags with little put paper he poster like, board headers that I, I drew some art for. He was that, like 16 at the time, It was probably right? our first product before wheels. I was going to say, we did yeah, the first product, right? place, then we got the wheels. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, so, so he, he ended up being responsible for making the first metal wrenches at, what do you say, 16, Brooke? Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm playing down his role. Um, he was kind of the genius behind the whole company. Um, a lot of, <laughs> <laughs> that's a big step. <laughs> no, he actually was, he was, he was certainly organized and it was kind of, it was kind of cool. He was like this really excitable 
young guy and um and he definitely had some hookups to where we're like fuck it now we've got to give him one fifth of the company right aaron spawn mark heineken arlo myself brian kanoski senate mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. so this was Thanks. this was before um before you guys sold it right like you started with mark heineken before you guys sold it right yeah well yeah what? Wait, the, the audio finally came through i just i just got a random whiff of like loud audio too yeah whatever that was i need it because it's been so hard to hear you guys the whole time oh is that right yeah it's nice oh. uh your guys are up That's all good. the way all of you guys so whatever you did there okay. for a sweet moment was like was like you know honey nectar to my ears do you have headphones do you need me some headphones in i don't have headphones uh well, okay. but don't like, shit on not like, having headphones otherwise i'm gonna have to start calling billy out for the dark room again <laughs> i feel like I feel actually like, like i feel like we actually might be good just like me and austin just kicking back for a lot of this episode <laughs> this is just doing itself i love it it's going out it's like one of the best podcasts for that reason. what do you want to know billy you um, can ask anything do you, have, do you um, want a t-shirt that'd be good if you could put yeah should, should we make this good. four box a t-shirt and just put it on a, a black t-shirt and just sell it that'd be good um so yeah, I guess what I want to know, even though I don't, I just love listening to you guys talk, but specifically about this, the, the five people, just because I thought uh, for some reason it was just you uh, two in the beginning and then brought Kanowski on, but it started with those five people. No, yeah, it started my... with Brooke and I. Yeah. Okay. It was us. We were, mm -hmm. I mean, it was the, the concept that all that is Brooke and I, you know, we were the, what would now be called creative directors essentially okay. um, yeah. and founders. We brought mm -hmm. we brought Mark Heineken in first because he was so far so far as we knew as far as rollerbladers went he was a business person right he was yeah. already working for Rodolfo's in Amsterdam doing distribution uh, so we thought we needed someone that understood that side of the business and so Mark came on pretty early as a partner and then from there it was just sort of one of these weird things like always happens in small industries where people just sort of start trading around ownership in a, in a company is just a just kind of as a way to like. I don't know, do stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And so Aaron Spawn was doing stuff with ramps. I mean, I'm not quite sure. Oh, no, you we know, maybe it's because we lived at his house. We lived at his I house. We lived yeah. at his house. Yeah. Maybe because he was older than us. Again, same idea. Maybe it's like, yeah. oh, he knows stuff. You know, he's older. Yeah. Um, and you then Brian Cossie, yeah, he, he helped with the wrenches. I'm pretty sure Aaron had the machine in that garage, I think. Whatever it was, because the grind place definitely started with Kanoski and his dad. Otherwise, you wouldn't need Aaron and Brian to both be the kind of the guys who provided the wrenches. Either I'm sure way. there was a good Either reason. Gave it up to any piece of I love Aaron Spawn, you know, and we he definitely created like the mecca for rollerblading. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I have no regrets about it. But I, looking back, on it, I'm not sure exactly what <laughs> the thinking was. But I'm sure there was some rationale. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, we didn't know what um, we were doing. That's that's the explanation, right? Yeah. How old are you? Yeah, but I guess still building ramps to this day. I mean, yeah. he's a big, you know, ramp builder uh, in in action sports, which is cool. Oh shit! How old were you guys oh. when you were doing this? When you started? When you first started, said it. Twenty one. He said, 20, right? Twenty twenty one. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. Arlo's, you're younger than me, right, Arlo? Are you? How old are you now? Well, I won't say that, but back then I was probably like a year younger than you. <laughs> really? This is midlife crisis. You need to really tackle this out. <laughs> it just sounds so weird to say out loud. I'm 48. It's like it doesn't yeah, yeah. So it doesn't feel yeah. real. Yeah, I'm 49. But you only got to say for a few more months. Makes it too real. You only got to say for a few more months. What's yeah. that? You only got to say you're 48 for a few more months. 
you gotta do 50 tricks for your 50th birthday are you, you doing know, it release yeah. a section are you doing that yeah who knows you might have to it's a couple of years i got a couple of years to think about it it's on the record Ooh. though that'd so, be cool yeah, yeah it's <laughs> no rush there's no rush um <laughs> yeah hit me up in two years we'll see what happens yeah um, I, I, I obviously want to talk a, a bit more about Senate. I know like uh, a lot with uh, Arlo specifically, like um, some of this stuff may have been through. Hopefully we don't touch on any of this stuff that that uh, we've been through. But obviously there was like a huge um, burst of, you know, success with Senate in the beginning. And it was probably shocking to everyone involved. And I'm not sure what uh, you saw, like with as far as how far it could go. But were there already like from the beginning of the success, like uh, companies trying to make offers to purchase it or people interested in like being a part of it? No. So listen, so first of all, it wasn't shocking. I mean, we we were so arrogant and it was such kind of like a magical time is we knew we were on a rocket and we thought that it was to the moon. Like mm -hmm. I thought there was yeah. nothing stopping rollerblading. I, I was not shocked by anything. The only thing I was shocked by is that it didn't keep going all the way. I mean, I, yeah. I just had such uh, I was so. Uh, um, taken with the sport. I thought that it just, it, it checked all the boxes. I just thought that it was just destined for, for greatness. Um, but, but from very early on, we actually, we sold the company right away. I mean, w as soon as we started making wheels, the wheel manufacturer that we were getting them from, which back then was Bravo and a guy named Tom Peterson. Is that right? Yeah. He made us an offer and he, he actually probably was the only savvy businessman businessman we really did interact with in the early days. And he saw that there was a big future in it. And so he made us an offer right away. He said, listen, why don't you guys let, uh, you know, let us handle all the distribution, handle the manufacturing. We'll basically make you guys an exclusive licensing deal, basically. Um, or we ended up getting a real great contract out of it because they spent the next, you know, 10 years trying to get us out of the contract because basically <laughs> he was paying us on all gross proceeds. They didn't even pay us yeah. on, on revenue after oh, uh, expenses. We were just getting paid on the gross. And so what that meant for us is it didn't matter how much we spent on marketing, how much we spent on travel, how much we spent on anything. We were still getting paid off of the very top line. Um, oh, wow. So that's why they, the company, they were always like, guys, we need to renegotiate the contract. And we were always like, why? <laughs> we're good. <laughs> and so we never yeah, did. Yeah. Um, yeah. See, but, I, but, I don't yes. think he really knew how big it was going to go. Like, yeah, because, exactly. and the number, I don't remember the number, but like I was saying, there were like five of us and we were getting like, I remember the check for 15,000 for a month. Yeah. Like, just like you just get, and you know, we were kids and yeah. uh, I, I don't think they really had a sense of how big it would go. And so like Alo said, they, yeah. they, they regretted the deal. Yeah. Hmm. But wow. so, so it was a, a pretty good deal for us. Uh, but what it meant was we didn't own the company. So Bravo owned the company almost from the, the inception. You know what, Arlo, that deal actually from memory, we still owned it. It was a license back. Like there was, it was a, like a dual license thing. I don't, I don't really, I don't understand. Dude, back then, it, whatever, if they put a contract in yeah. front of me, I signed it. I, I, I have no idea what was in it. I yeah. can tell you. So whatever Brooks says, I agree with him. I, I mean, but we were, make, we were making no money like in 93. So like the sense that like, and you know, we're like, fuck yeah, give us some money. That's great. Right. Exactly. We can keep grinding grind plates in our garage and sell them to our friends for, you know, a couple bucks a pop, or they basically, they're saying, guys, we can ramp this up instantly. And we're like, yeah, let's do it. Because, you know, Brooke and I were, were concept idea guys. We weren't in it, you know, for the grind necessarily. We wanted to do big stuff. Like we had big concepts, big ideas. And it's like, if, if they wanted to bankroll it and, and we can get paid, like that's what we want yeah let's do it yeah i need to and i also need to correct like there was a year 
where we were making the bribes and the C notes were us like that whole period that early that was just us so I think you've compacted it a little bit Arlo there was two whole runs of wheels I think that we went through and then they were they started to see it taking off right? yeah he's right he's right so the, that's the whole reason we had the relationship with him and why he made us the offer is because yeah. we went to them we were like we need wheels because I was skating on anti-rocker wheels which were skateboard wheels and nobody was making them I mean this is sort of the one of the you know um, archetypal uh, origin stories for Senate, but that no one was making anti-rocker wheels. Uh, Kryptonix was making little soft wheels that you you know that were still would would uh, bite on on ledges and stuff. Um, and Hyper was making bigger you know their Fat Boy wheels, but no one would make little hard wheels. Um, so we bought skateboard wheels from Bravo and printed our own graphics on them. And we sold those yeah. as anti-rocker wheels. That's what anti-rocker wheels were. And so he's right. We did we did bribes and C-notes, and we we did a couple of runs of those on our own. And then sometime after that is when they said, hey, guys, you know, how would you like to sort of ramp this up? And even from then on, I mean, I want to be clear about something. Once we sold the, or whatever, we entered the relationship with Bravo, part of our arrangement with, with them was we had no interest in working for Bravo. We're, we're doing this to do our own autonomous company. So we got our own offices separate from Bravo. We had our own staff. We did our own marketing. We, you know what I mean? None of it was, when we say that we were, uh, when Brooke says we did it, you know, on our own up until a certain point, the truth is for the whole exist for all of Senate's existence, it was just yeah, us. We did it all. We happened to have, yeah. we happened to have the financial arrangement with Bravo until the end when rollerblading started to take its dive and the money wasn't there to sustain Senate on its own. And they said, guys, you can't have your own office. We're going to bring you back into actually bring you into Bravo right. corporate. Um, and guys, you can't work just on Senate. You got to start working on some of our other brands. And it, it wasn't long after that when I left. That was sort of when it lost kind of the, I lost the, the passion for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'd already gone by then. So like there was a, a real, if you look back at the timeline, there's a real, clear delineation between everything being awesome and then me leaving and everything being shithouse, I think is what Arlo's saying. How mm -hmm. long, how yeah. long to and, <laughs> Nice. I, you know, there is an interesting thing about Brooke leaving that I want to talk about um, that I think I Did want to talk about. Did you quit for him? Oh, you know what? Maybe not. This, you're not <laughs> going to talk about how you sued it. me, are you? <laughs> yeah. Well, so talk so about it, Arlo. You know, Arlo sued me. I wasn't going to bring that up, Arlo. So after he went back, after I, I say generously for myself that he went back to New Zealand, but after I got him banished back to New Zealand, um, it was hard for him to contribute to Senate. You know, this was before Zoom. It was before kind of the, you know, the remote revolution. And so on a day-to-day -day basis, it was hard for Brooke to, to uh, be involved. He would call in and, you know, he would try what he could. But, you know, running a company, you just got to kind of be there and doing stuff. Um, and we were getting big checks from Senate. And so I started to get resentful. I'm like, you know, what Brooke is making the exact same we all are. And we're busting our asses and he's not. And not only that, he's working on England. And, you know, all to be fair, all of us were always working on other projects. But it just felt like uh, it, it was something that needed to be rectified. So um, so we started getting. So that's why you gave the wrong answers, huh? We'd have these, what's that? So that's why you gave the wrong answers. To what? When he was trying to get in the country? To, to, to INS. Oh, exactly. Yes. This <laughs> you knew what to say. Yeah. You knew what to say. It was, it was a subconscious. No, no, I'm just kidding. Go yeah. On. No, it didn't happen in that uh, in that order, obviously. So it was because no, he was no, no, gone yeah, that kidding. it started to become, I think, a, a sore spot. But 
Right. So there, maybe that is interesting or not. But the one thing that I really want to point out about it or that always stuck with me, um, and it kind of goes back to this theme of being able to separate like kind of the, you know, the cold corporate realities of business and from the sort of the interpersonal relationships, the, the bigger like conceptual creative stuff that happens. But throughout all of that, no matter how shitty the talks were and, you know, the things we were from, I, what we were trying to do to Brooke was shitty, right? Uh, he would always call after we would have a meeting and he would call just to shoot the shit. You know, he, it'd be like, he, he, he was making a, a clear and deliberate point that guys, this is all, he even said it explicitly to me at one time. He said, you know, this, what we're doing with the lawyers, I feel like everything that's happened with Senate is just all like, you know, fantasy, right? We, we just sort of lucked into this amazing thing. Um, so I don't take it too seriously. He said, but, our friendships are what matter. That's real. And so he would always uh, make these personal calls where we weren't talking about the lawyers. We weren't talking about the, all the acrimony from the contracts. It was just to remind us that at the end of the day, we are all friends. Uh, you, you made that story nice because I was like, oh, don't bring up how Arlo sued you. Yeah, well, I thought <laughs> you were going to get to that point. What happened with that? Yeah. Uh, I got, I, they, the, they, there was a settlement. They paid me out, so they bought me out of the company. Is that why you tried? Then I, put, them, then I put that money into Pointer, and it went so good. Oh, is that is that what is that how Pointer <laughs> got started? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. I didn't I didn't know any of that. So Arla, you you tried suing Brooke to get him out of the company. Is that what you like, think? Try him? suing me? Oh, whatever you sued, <laughs> whatever. That, so that was the whole point of it. Okay. Yeah, we were trying to get him out of the company. Brooke, we're we're just, to, yeah. Brooke was just sitting back collecting checks. Yeah, mm-hmm. and also I was I was very involved in England. And England was like, uh, you know, had this kind of a, a cool, a cool vibe about it, and so it was probably, yeah, it was just, there was, it, yeah. Anyways, it, yeah. It was so when you guys talked about transition. when you guys talked about kind of the fall of rollerblading and how that probably felt like kind of a surprise, right? And because yeah. Senate was so successful and all this stuff, but there actually was a period of time well before rollerblading's fall where Senate took a fall, and just like Brooke said, where everything else was cooler than Senate. And so even though Mm. Senate was like bankrolling all these things, but like, you know, when Brooke talks about having a lazy team at Oxygen, um, at Senate, we, our whole team, and I was guilty of it also, right? I, I owned Senate and I would wear fiction shirts whenever I went out to skate, um, or rise above, right? We all skated for Senate. We all got paychecks from Senate. Senate was the biggest clothing company in rollerblading, yet we all had separate clothing sponsors. Um, and so it's like, even though the biggest paycheck anyone was getting was from Senate, right? We were financing all these pro skaters. Um, whenever we were out skating, it was never the thing we were, we were promoting. And a big part of it was it just, it didn't feel cool anymore, right? It felt like the big, you know, the big kind of status quo company and everybody, it's just the nature of rollerblading and kind of action sports. You always want kind of like the hottest, freshest thing, you know, and Senate just wasn't it. And that's why we did the big shakeup, which, you know, I think probably over the course of history or looking back on it probably was not, you know, a, a savvy move. Um, but at the time we thought it was necessary to like sort of revitalize, um, Senate. Mm. Yeah. I didn't know you guys all had clothing sponsors while still, be, still being on Senate. That sounds completely yeah. counterproductive right yeah, there. It was crazy. Make any sense. Yeah. We but just... not only had clothing sponsors, but we're starting clothing companies, right? Yeah. Brooke yeah. yeah. Uh, even in Senate, we started nine, seven, six, you know what I mean? It's like, we were always cannibalizing our own, um, mm. our own profits. Is that just like the urge to create more? Wow within that or like there, yes, create, that's kind of like more it. paychecks like what is it like 
No, it's the it's the it, it's the creative impulse, right? It's just it's the same thing that makes you want to rep the latest coolest thing as creators and creative people. You always want to be creating something cool, right? Mm. And it's it's easier to create something new and cool than to sustain something mm. and keep it fresh and cool. So the, right. the the companies that can do that again, when we talk about John Julio's longevity and how he is able to sustain like like credibility and um, authenticity and be cool and fresh over many years. That's when you've really accomplished something. It's not that hard to have a hot flash in the pan, right? Mm. Um, so yeah, so like, credit to John Julio. I mean, th th there's no limit to, to the accolades and the, the plaudits we could give him, but yeah, that's just another one of them. Yeah. What, what do you think, I mean, we're talking about all this like downfall of Senate and everything, but what was like, what for you guys, what was the highlight of Senate? What was like the most, uh, you're most proud of I the can, moment with Senate. I can talk about some of the stupid things if you want. We bought a prison bus. The prison bus is like the stupidest decision we made. And, what was that for? You know, we, we, were, we were making so much money that, and like, I'm, I'm not good with money anyways. Like, I'll, I'll spend on stupid things sometimes. I think I spent like $20,000 on those rims, right? Did I like remember we got the rims for the prison bus? And this I don't bus remember, was, it was, it was, it had bulletproof glass. It was like this big old prison bus. And the idea was we were going to drive our team members around in it. I think it, it, no air conditioning, right? Is that is that what? right? There was no air con? There was no air conditioning. Oh, probably not. And and it would break down and it looked like it, it had the you know, big rims on it. It was just, they were just, we would spend money on stupid, stupid shit. It was the, pretty the sick. Weird... I, it was sick. I mean, because it was painted like a prison bus. Like it was black and white and we wrote kill team on the side of it. I mean, it probably looked like a real menace going down the street and it had like gates on the, on the windows. Yeah. And it, we actually took it out. Like the kill team went out and did a tour, and it was pretty sick. They put a, yeah. a PlayStation or something in there with a, or whatever you play Mortal Kombat on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, what else did we do? We built that ramp. We the, the warehouse next door. We rented the warehouse next door. Yeah. We had a, this huge cool. warehouse, and we filled the entire warehouse with a ramp, like set up right. You 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 couldn't almost walk in. It was all ramp. Is that right, Arlo? Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Somewhere, Basically, wall-to-wall -wall ramps. We filled it up with ramps. That was cool. Fun was that the one with the spine? That, fun skating. Was that the one with the spine? Huh? Yes. Spine with the yeah, wall exactly. that went spine up to the wall? The wall ride. What? Oh, I didn't know that was the Senate warehouse. Yeah, it was the Senate and warehouse. It wasn't. It was we, like had, we rented a warehouse next door. And, uh, you know, there was a period where we were so, again, this is this arrogance. The story that I like that sums it up for me is I wouldn't wear clothes twice. I would go to the warehouse and just get new clothes uh -huh. every day. Yeah. Just go. Yeah. <laughs> so Rawlinson used to come to the warehouse and like when he would go on a trip, um, like an international trip for a tour or something, he would come and he would pick out from nine, nine seven, six and Senate a, a new pair of jeans to take for each day that he was going to be on the trip. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you, you don't, you know, you don't have to wear a clean, a brand new pair of pants each day. <laughs> uh, it was so insane. And so we'd have these giant suitcases too, but then we'd probably come home with nothing because I, I bet he would just leave it all behind. Um, yeah. But when I think of like Senate and excesses and stuff, or just kind of like, you know, s symbolically, like what represents that time. And I wasn't even here for this, but I always think about Brooke, you jumping your, your Audi, your Audi, however you pronounce that car yeah. uh, off like sand dunes or whatever. A, a motocross, a motorcycle whoopty track that had a jump yeah. in it. I went and bought this car. I told you like $42,000 cash. Um, I had to put in Jess's name because I was like illegal there. I didn't have a license. And um, and 
we, we took it out to these dunes and the, the cameraman, we were, I don't know why we were filming there, but anyways, there was a jump and I was driving. I got in, the cameraman was in the back seat and I said, listen, I think this is going to get a bit hectic. And he said, mate, oh, he didn't say mate because he was American. He said, son, I was in Vietnam. And then <laughs> like, and, and so I like, I thought that I took that as a challenge. And so we hit the whoops and then jumped the car and like kind of landed and like massive, this incredible sound. And I was doing donuts and I noticed it was this big trail of black stuff. Wherever I was going, it was like painting in this kind of like black pattern. And then the car just stopped because I ripped all of the oil, you know, the, the, the oil pan off. And so I managed to get this thing to the freeway and I and it like stopped at the freeway. And I called Audi, I was like, you know, that car that you sold me is just completely stopped. And they were like so apologetic. They sent a car out, they picked us up and they towed the car back and they were like super, super apologetic. And then like, cause I'm an idiot. Um, when they lifted it up, there's just like kilos and kilos of rocks. <laughs> and underneath <laughs> it was like completely red. And so we, we fixed the, the car and Josh Petty, if you're watching this, borrowed it. This, that Audi was like, got so like, I just remember he smoked. And it didn't have the kind of wherewithal to not continually burn the side of the car with his cigarette. Like, why <laughs> was smoking in my car? And then I got kicked out. And then Jess, Darren, Forth, and Ethan sold it and bought a boat with my with my car money. So that's the the Audi. But yeah, so, great stuff. So you're really good at spending money. <laughs> what? Yeah. A- well, like, what was the greatest achievement that you did with Senna? Like, what were you most proud about with Senna? There's got to be something that you guys are for each or some, together that you was, were able to achieve it, with that. It was cool, full stop, I think, the year that it really blew up and we'd be in, like, Eastern Europe or somewhere like, like you know, in Czechoslovakia and in the Czech Republic, and you'd see someone wearing a Senna shirt. That was an incredible feeling the first time you saw kids wearing it anywhere. And obviously by the time, you know, Hoax 2 happened, and you, you turn up, there's that, those scenes where, you know, we're jumping off the, the, the bus and every kid would be wearing Senna. I think, like I said, 700,000 T-shirts or something like that in, in 97. Yeah. yeah, for me, yeah, fact for that, me Senna was the accomplishment, right? It was, yeah. it was the idea. Like, Senna represented something. People, when some guy was uh, on Instagram was texting me ahead of this appearance, you know, and he's talking about, he's like, oh, if you guys bring Senna back, then my Senna tattoo, you know, then it won't just be an old company. It'll be like a new current company. But people have Senate tattoos and it's meaningful to them. Like when you talk about Senate, it, it represents something about that time and for, you yeah. know, uh, about the people that were around in that time. Like it was an mm. idea, you know, um, and to me, that's what I'm most proud about. Right. That we built kind yeah. of that that brand, that it meant something. Yeah, I totally yeah, agree. That, 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 that makes sense. Like the uh how it contributed to the culture and like impacted the culture and was such a deep part of the culture is like such a huge thing to be proud of, especially like uh, having done it at such a, such a young age and it having mm. the impact that it did and it having the reach that it did yeah, that in and of itself, I could see being just like such a massive accomplishment. So um, I know it had a huge impact on me. Like when I was a young kid looking and just like the, just the say the halo Senate thing was just like, if you had that, you were a cool kid. Mm-hmm. I didn't have it. I wasn't yeah. a cool kid and, but I would just be like, yo, look how I, I got like the sticker and I put it on like my skate until it fell off. But that shit was, was like the best yeah. thing. Billy, you are a cool kid. Culturally, I could see that. And like you said, it, they'll, it'll never be, 
Nice. Arlo, did you design the Halo? The Senate Halo Look at that. Logo? It's a classic. Yeah. That was that. That's like one of the most iconic logos, also in skating ever. Billy said it perfect because I never thought about it till just now, also. But I always wanted the the Halo shirt or like the hoodie or something yeah. like that. I remember getting the Team Paradise catalog, and it was like the first page was always like Senate, and it was like all that stuff, ultra wide, everything was yeah. so the biggest yeah. trend. And Senate was probably the most successful skate company. And oh, certainly. Um, I tell you, there was. I remember when we were doing like those those crazy jeans. You know, one of the interesting things about Senate was just like the sense sense of happy accident with the 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 rip, the, the cords right, Arlo. With what was the like the drawstrings in the pants? That idea that we happened to make these drawstrings in the pants the year people started putting because people started buying them to kind of put the one leg up, right? The gangster thing. Oh right, right. <laughs> I, don't, oh, I don't remember. <laughs> Anyways, okay. Long long story short, I think I think um, I I hadn't been a part like. For that to be our first company and for it to do what it did because it is uniquely um the growth was so uniquely insane um it was you know it made everything else it's made everything else kind of like um pale in, in, in comparison in terms of the speed of its growth it was just an incredible experience to be a part of mm-hmm. until yeah. now until now Right. That's, so, could you could you tell that I was setting that up segue? Uh, yeah, well done. Yeah. Well, that's a perfect day, segue. Right? I caught it. Yeah, that's a perfect segue. So, yes. go go into it because you guys are going to introduce it better than than we can probably. So when I say I hadn't been a part of anything as like you know we had this incredible experience as like young 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 mm-hmm. people, the last eight months of my life have been amazing. I've been lucky enough to be a part of like a runaway freight train that makes, that's just like Senate. It's this incredible wave. I started a company called Non-Fungible Labs in February, and now it's one of the biggest NFT companies and and it's helping build this new paradigm of flipping communities and turning communities into owners of brands. So like everything that you guys loved about Senate, that sense of like the sticker and you being a part of it, it was an older paradigm where um, we were, you were just customers. NFTs, and some of you guys will understand, some people out there would have started getting into NFTs, allow us to now to create these brands that the people actually own a part. They're, they're invested in the success of the brand. And very early on, when things started to go well with non-fungible labs, we've got a thing called Fluff World that's done $120 million in four months. It's like gone crazy. Wow. Like, like crazy crazy um but very early on i was like i think that arlo like the his ability to build a brand is the perfect opportunity for us to collaborate again to build a community company around um around arlo's creativity i love drug receipts i'm a fan i've been watching it and um and so i went to Arlo. i came to Arlo and i said i think I think there's there's an opportunity to get this community that exists that has a sense of a love for you as a brand, Arlo as a brand, and wants to be a part of it. So that's the that's a pretty clumsy introduction, Arlo. Do you want to take no, over? I think that's pretty good. And you know, I got, listen. I'm like most people. You know, we're learning about all this right now, kind of in real time. Like I did not know much about NFTs before Brooke uh, presented the idea to me, um, and I got kind of a crash course in it. Uh, but the things that I learned about it and what Brooke showed me, I mean, it speaks to me, right? If if Senate had been 
you know, if Senate was around at a different time or if we had the, the, um, the tools uh, that we have now back then, I mean, back then it was basically a one-way conversation, right? We were presenting our ideas to the world um, yeah. and you guys were all around the world sort of taking it in. But now it's turned into a dialogue. It's a two-way conversation. Like you can be, you can be communicating with your audience, with your community in real time. And it becomes kind of like this um, uh, feedback loop, right? Um, yeah. And to me, that's really attractive, especially now with social media and, you know, podcasts and those <laughs> kinds of things where there is a lot more interaction um, to be able to kind of capture that and like sort of uh, ramp it up and turn it into a real thing. Cause now it's just sort of me talking about, you know, telling stories, but I have ideas, uh, you know, for mm. the better part of 30 years, I've been creating graphics. I've been sort of creating this narrative um, thread um, and it's just, and it's sort of been this consistent like ethos, right? These consistent ideas. Um, and now finally there's like a, the perfect forum for it. Um, so I'm here for it. I mean, I, I just couldn't be more excited about this. And like Brooke said, I've been doing drug receipts for the last five years, but again, it's just, it's just sort of me toiling away on my own just cause I can't stop the creative impulse. And so I'm, I'm doodling on just receipts and it's finding its audience. But now if we can turn it into something where, you know, we can grow that audience and we can amplify the message and like do all these things, uh, it's, it feels like I was made for this moment, honestly. I mean, even the fact that I've been building this skill set, you know, on, on computers, like learning how to illustrate yeah. and design graphics on, 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 uh, digitally for the last 30 years. And that's until <coughs> this year, guys, essentially, there was never even any way to monetize that except for selling it to other people or putting it on t-shirts yeah. and selling shirts. Now for the first time, digital artists, you can create digital art and there's actually innate value in it. Um, and not only that, because it's now because the actual digital assets have their own value, you can do so much more with a digital asset than with a t-shirt. All I can do with this stupid t-shirt is cut it up and put it on and flex on a podcast. But with the digital yeah. asset, it's, 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 it's a living thing. You can constantly change it, update it, change the background, change the color of the skates. Um, it's just, dude, it's so cool and exciting. I feel yeah. like I'm like, I feel like I'm like almost getting overly animated about that. It's just, it really, it really gets my, uh, my, uh, my gears turning. I, I, want, I wanted to ask, I wanted to ask real quick. Um, just because it, it's this is like going like for like the cavemen like me who are still like learning like yep. what nft is would you mind just like doing a brief yeah just short explanation of what that is because there are some you know some people yep. are are like really on top and understanding some people are a yep. little confused by what that may be so could you just briefly get into that yeah so if if, if you want to start at the very beginning the blockchain is a uh a ubiquitous ledger, a ledger that exists across um, the uh, the internet. It's immutable, and a blockchain um, tracks transactions. And for a very long time, the last you know five or six years, it's been growing. Blockchain has been growing with cryptocurrencies and the DeFi space, decentralized finance, and it's you know it's it's been growing. But it was you know unless you're into currency trading, it was complete. It's it's pretty boring. NFTs have exploded because they are um the translation of that blockchain technology into culture and art and what they are, allow you to do a non-fungible token by the way i'll just get into the, the details of this non something that's fungible means that it is um identical if you lend me a, a ten dollars uh, and i give you back ten dollars next week you don't know if it's the same ten dollar bill or or a different one they're identical on purpose non-fungible things are, are not identical so you are a non-fungible asset 
a house or a piece of art. Anyway, so back into it. Why are non-fungible tokens interesting and why are they blowing up? Well, they allow people, artists, musicians, um, brands to connect with their community and uh, in a completely different way. So it is a, a contract that's connected to the art and that contract allows those people that have purchased that art to have a direct contact. So I can, I can using a, a non-fungible token, um, I can build a community and send them all a ticket to an event um, via their NFT into their wallet. I can, um, if someone has a, a certain type of art, I can send them a different benefit uh, than someone else. I'm doing a terrible job of this. I, I do this for a no, 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 no. It's it's, it's good. It makes sense. Like, um, I, like I actually have like a pretty decent understanding of what it is. Like my friend explained oh, it to good. me in like ways of having like a an old baseball ticket or something like that, where it's just like one of one, it's like one of its kind. And it's like that in digital form for like layman's terms and like a very basic idea, like, or one of 10 or one of however many um, things. So I think that's my understanding of it. I'm very new to this. Like I say, I'm like a caveman in this way, you know, um, in, but in, in the, yeah. in the old world, you had, we had customers at, at Senate. If you buy a non-fungible token, one of 10,000 of a, a collection, you are invested in making sure that that collection's value increases because as its value, the whole collection's value increases, you're, you're, you're one of 10,000, its value increases. So you end up with these communities that start to create in and around the, the, the collections. They create their own derivative art forms. Very they, cool. They that makes sense. Yeah. They have events. And the amazing thing is like, so Arlo Eisenberg, we, we know that there are tens of thousands of people and Arlo's art means something to them. And the moment those 10,000 people buy that art, um, things like Discord allow them to connect with each other and they can have a conversation about the art. Now, at the moment, those layers of uh, social media and advertisers that are disconnecting the creators and the, and the, and the customers or the consumers, they, they suddenly disappear. Arlo can connect directly with everyone that is passionate about his art and they can connect with each other. And that community is constantly then starts, starts pushing it and building its, its momentum because they've got an investment in that, in that community. And so I'm sorry if I did a terrible job of explaining. No, no, no. But, but you're watching Board Ape Yacht Club become the biggest brand in the world in six months. They've done a billion dollars in sales in six months. And you know, Adidas, is now probably on their way to buying them. You saw Nike built buy, bought Artifact this week for $200 million, and it's only six months old. And the reason these things are growing so fast is the 10,000 or 4,000, 5,000 people that own them have become these um, onboarded advocates, these zealots, these um, uh, you know ambassadors for the brand. So it's a really exciting way to, to, to flip the, the old customer corporate model on its head. And they, Very cool. they hold their value too, an increase in value too, in most cases, hopefully. So there's resale value in that as well. Well, you have to build a community. If yeah. you just drop an NFT and then leave it, it, will, like, it, it, it won't maintain its value. Mm -hmm. The idea is you, you drop the art and then you start to build. So for us with Fluff World, which is this you know, phenomenon, we're throwing events. I'm actually throwing events with Mark Shays, who's a, a, a rollerblader from back of the day. 
So we're throwing events, we send them gifts, we like surprise and delight, we drop NFTs into their wallets. Um, we're constantly communicating with them. And it's that sense of building a community that adds the future value. You're buying a membership to a community, not a piece of art. And um, that signal, the flex of wearing that piece of art now, or if you've got you know, your, your piece, you're wearing it, or if it's your profile photo, it becomes an indicator of something that you're passionate about. And what we hope will happen with drug receipts is that if you see someone's got that profile photo, regardless of where they are, or if it's sitting in their wallet, you'll know you have something in common with them. Probably you are probably a rollerblader or a fan of Arlo's art. And bam, there's that connection immediately. And so that flex becomes something relevant. So it's no different than wearing that Senate sticker on your skate, but it's in the new world where digital flex is everything, you know, signaling what you're passionate about online. Okay. And if I could add just something to it, just as a, as a creator and an artist, because I, I it definitely is buying a piece of art, but because of all the different functionality that's built into it, and because of what you can do with the digital asset, there's, it's so much more than that. Uh, but to the point about buying a piece of art, because the common um, uh, the common criticism that's thrown at NFTs is like, oh, you know, so you're paying $100,000 for a, a JPEG? Like, I, I can download it on my computer right now mm -hmm. uh, for free. Um, and kind of intuitively, that makes sense. That complaint is like, yeah, what is the difference? Um, but really, that kind of misunderstands uh, sort of how collectibles and how art work. Because the truth is, people collect, you know, Magic the Gathering cards and Pokemon cards and baseball cards. And any one of those could probably be reproduced pretty pretty easily as well, right? We, we have the capability. You can go to a printer. You can find the card stock, whatever, and have probably a, an exact replica. But the way that they retain their value is through authentic, authentication and through uh, declaring and recognizing that something is an original, however that's defined. Um, and the blockchain and allows us to do that with digital assets. For the first time, that is something that digital assets have always lacked as a way to verify their authenticity. Um, so this notion that they're, you know, that they're no different than JPEG, well, it's not really any different than saying, oh, I could go make an exact replica of a, you know, a Picasso print right now and have it and hang it on my wall. Sure, you can, and you might enjoy it, but you could never resell it for, you know, any money um, because it has, it, the value comes not just from the actual aesthetic quality of the art, um, but also from its authenticity or from, or from its ability to be verified. Uh, and that's what the blockchain does for, for digital art. Yeah. Providence is so important. Like I try to explain it to people that, you know, you can hold a 1963 Elvis Presley heartbreak hotel record, like a, a first press. You can hear that on the radio and it's not the same thing. You could make a tape of it, but it's not the same thing. Providence and, and a story connection with the artist is really important. So, these are these are this is you guys are the first people seeing this out no one else has seen this yet brooke um, is this you sharing and, your screen oh what's that is that you sharing the screen over here yeah can, yeah can you see it first of all uh, i have no idea how it? you did that because i never seen that before <laughs> <laughs> welcome to nfts motherfucker he just hacked the uh, world let's see <laughs> yeah so so right, can, wait, can the people me, at home see this hold on let me let me get rid of this overlay uh, like I said, Look, I, I don't never knew you could you do this. Your, uh, cash. That is the old site. Oh, oh is that the old site? Shit. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, Alo, do you want to share the new site? <laughs> I don't know. You did? I'm the art guy. Whoa, man. look at me. Guy. Holy fuck. Oh, okay. see, now, now you screwed everything up, bro. What are you doing? What are you guys doing? <laughs> I have no idea. Okay, shit. Shit, Alo, why don't you, you, you 
you go I'll, pull it up. Uh, I'm picking. Uh, Billy and Austin have the link. They can do it. I, ha I have the link. I just yeah, now why I don't, do you do now that? screw it up because yeah. I'm like, you can't do any worse than Brooke did. Hold on, here we go. <laughs> Boom. This no. is this yeah, okay. Is this the kind of is this the kind of show you guys run, Austin and Billy? This, this is. is you, I mean, <laughs> you just screwed us all up. Oh, that's I'm, right. I'm, I'm I'm just the uh, the looks and the personality. Austin's the tech guy. Yeah, I get screwed and, up all this stuff. <laughs> by the way, just while you're while you're bringing that up, uh, to the point of of JPEGs, essentially, I want everyone to have this. You know, I want people to download the JPEGs and take them for free. I mean, we're gonna. You know, that's why I put them out on my social media. I, like we want the art to be out there, but also for the people that want to own it, there's a way for, for that to be facilitated as well. And oh, I yeah. think, and that's the only difference between what, you know, being a creator two years ago or 20 years ago and being a creator now is there's a way to actually uh, build value into the actual assets. All right, do you see this? The, it, do you see it now? Yeah, it looks okay. awesome. There you there go. That looks amazing. We should have had you doing it all along. And Austin, if you hover over any of those four yeah, they move, right? um, tiles, they, they change to kind of different um, views. See, see that's yeah, what's exactly. cool about these. So these are going to be the actual NFTs you're talking about, like yeah. pretty much. Yes, th this is pretty close. I mean, you know, as we said, we're still probably about a month at least away from actually minting these and releasing them. Um, but you know, this is the first time that Brooke and I have acknowledged this anywhere that we're actually doing this uh, project together. Um, we did send it together, you know, obviously 30 years ago, or whatever it was. And I got him kicked out of the country. I tried to kick him out of the Senate. And now here we are 30 years <laughs> later uh, going into a new project, a new creative endeavor together. Um, and I, and just really, I think I I, really I'm cool. also trying to get back into the country. And I'm <laughs> guessing that it's going to end the same way that like, I'll no, 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 no. So, and he's going to sue me again. No, just like John Julio <laughs> is paying his penance for introducing the sidewalk into rollerblading, I am trying to make good on getting Brooke kicked out of the country. So this is kind of like my payback to him is we're going to do this together. Yeah, what, what's Tyler not... Shields' involvement in this? So when Brooke called me, uh, first approached me about doing the NFTs, within 24 hours, literally, Tyler called with the exact same idea. <laughs> um, it's just the way things were all coming together, the way that the stars were aligning, because Tyler, uh, I, I guess I'm sure he doesn't need this introduction, but you know he, since rollerblading, you know we've talked about what Brooke has done in his year since rollerblading. He's a huge success. Well, Tyler has gone on to become like one of the most renowned fine art photographers in the world, mm -hmm. like the most collectible fine art photographer. Um, the only who used to be a pro skater, living so artist to have a solo show at Sotheby's, right? I mean, like big stuff. It, I mean, it's so incredible. Um, but Tyler is a great, great friend. Um, and so similar to what happened with Brooke, it's like we're, and Tyler has done some NFT releases of his own fine art. Um, and we don't have to go too deep into the woods with this or too deep into the weeds with this, but they're kind of slightly different models. Like what we're doing with, um, what Brooke has done with Fluff World and what we're doing with drug receipts, they're called generative releases. And basically like you were showing on the website, like, you know, there's going to be tons of characters, right? We're going to release 10,000. Each one's going to be unique. Um, but so that's one model and that's kind of like the Pokemon model, right? Where they're, where they're all sold for the same price and then the values determine kind of after the fact, some are more rare, some are more desirable. Some people maybe just really think that the one riding bomb is really cool and they want that. So whatever mm -hmm. the market will sort that out. But with the, with the fine art release, something with Tyler Shields, the value is innate in each piece. He's releasing basically one of ones and the, you know, and those trade for whatever value those pieces are worth. And because he is, you know, such a highly sought after and collected 
um, artist, he's able to, to command a, a nice price. He's going to do well. So all that is to say, we all had the same idea around the same time. And so instead of sort of dividing it up or trying to figure out how to navigate the separate projects, we're like, why don't we just all go in together and do it? We've got kind of, we've all got separate skills and, you know, separate um, um, traits that we can bring to the project. Um, and they're all really complementary. Tyler has kind of the fine art world, right? He's got the network of collectors and galleries and gallerists and all that. Um, and he's, a, you know, he's got a huge following in his own right, right? So he's got a huge influence in that way. Uh, Brooke has the NFT space corner. They're innovative leaders. They've had several uh, mega hit releases already. Um, and we're they're, in the they're middle of, we're in the middle of a release right now. You can buy party yeah. beers this, this, this very day to day. Which one is it? It's it's uh, party beers. Party beers. So we, we, we're doing something with the guys that do BoJack Horseman and Robot Chicken. We're releasing like a yeah. really cool community kind of like DJ AI beer that DJs. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, and of course, and I'm bringing the the art, the intellectual property, kind of the creative uh, backbone that that will steer the project uh, and be the the heart and soul of it. And and so this is so, but it just has the added benefit. You know, we each bring separate things, but we also together bring the shared history. You know, we all yeah. come from rollerblading. We've all been friends for so long. And then it, unlike doing Senate, we were where we were all young and dumb and it was just all by the seat of our pants. Now we're coming back together 30 years later with all this knowledge, all these mm -hmm. skills that we built outside of rollerblading in our own lives. And now we can really put those assets together and turn this into something really special. And guys, can I share, I'm gonna share screens again and show you something kind of cool. Oh, you're gonna fuck us up. I don't think you could do that. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> I I'm know. gonna do it. I, I lost it last it's, time. All right, here. No, break I, it. Here we go. I see so, us. So, can, guys, can you can you, can you love... email it to us? E email What's it that? to uh, Jump Street. Can you what? just email it to Jump Street really quick? The link. Oh, uh, no, because it's Discord. I want to okay. show you guys. Can I open the up community? The... Oh yeah, concept. I'm not signed in on the Discord. Um, yeah, don't don't. I'm gonna stop sharing. It's okay. Um. <laughs> Guys, well, we have a link the moment, in the description my, for, my, for the drugreceipts.com yeah. website and the Discord's in there as well for anybody who wants to check it out afterwards and check out the Discord as well, correct? So yes. Tyler and, Shields, just really quickly, Brooke, just to finish that thought, because Tyler is going to be in the Discord um, and Brooke and I are going to go on there afterwards and have a Q&A. Uh, and right. if anyone has any more questions about the history of Senate or especially about kind of the future of drug receipts, we'll be happy to answer them there. And if there's any more questions about NFTs or that entire space. Yeah. But, but guys, we, we have an opportunity to flip social right now, which is like a data theft, awful engine. Like Facebook is an awful, awful company that sells your data. You are the product. Um, and these communities discord, you know, their owned communities owned by the people, um, and the ability for us to connect on a better level. So at the moment, my connection with rollerblading is the rollerblading, rollerblading group, which I, I get to see like every now and then I might, I might be able to connect with people. I want to reconnect with the TJ Webbers and the Dustin Latimers and all these people that were a part of my life, but I want to do it in a place that is far more kind of like community um, driven and also in a place where we can, all the value we add to that community, we we are adding to our, ourselves. We're not just making Facebook rich, advertising to ourselves. We're making Arlo rich. And that's so, so important. No, we're making, no, you're, 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 you're invested. Interestingly, um, with, with NFTs, the secondary sales, that's where like most people, if we build a really strong community, everybody does well out of it. That's the whole point of NFTs. Like a board Ape Yacht Club that, you know, they sold for like $500, 
six months ago, they're now a quarter of a million dollars because those people have invested into the community, built the derivative art, you know, and, and generated all this hype. And so we really see this as a way to form a community around some amazing artwork, but also to flip the model on its head um, as, as to how content can be shared and, and monetized. Mm -hmm. But so I hope that all the people that are paying money to shit on us in the chat, you know, you can come into the discord and shit on us for free. So by the and you know, we're here for it. it bring it on. It's we're open to having any conversations or any concerns because you see this so much. Like I said, this is all new to me. When when Brooke oh. first introduced the idea about three months ago and I sort of have been getting trained up on the, the NFT space and the community and all that stuff. There's no question. You see a ton of um, uh, sort of money grabs, cash grabs, like just sort of fly by night, throw up some uh, haphazard art and just try to uh, get a quick um, uh, uh, paycheck or payout. Um, so there is definitely that element to it. Um, and I, you know, if anyone has those concerns, you know, we're happy to talk about them. I think one of the real nice things about what, what Brooke brings to the table, in addition to all the other things that we talked about is they have built real communities uh, with real NFT projects. Oh, that, yeah. You know, it's why he wanted to bring up the Discord, the, the Fluff World Discord, um, because they, I, I think it's the reason they've been so successful is because they people trust them. Um, they trust them with their investment. They know that they're, they're delivering, delivering a quality product, but they are also um, making good on their promises. It's, they're in it for the long term. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and, and, and um, I'm really excited. It's an experiment and I, and we're going to, Alo and I, I'm already like just so overwhelmed by how good the art is. I want to buy it. everyone we've shown it to. It's gone like, holy shit, that's amazing art. And we always knew it was going to be amazing because Arlo doesn't do things in halves. So it's really exciting stuff. Yeah. And Austin, um, you said these things are things that, that are going to appreciate, right? They go up in value. Yeah. And no one knows that, you know, with any collectible, any commodity, you don't know, you could mm -hmm. buy, you could buy, you know, uh, invest in Bitcoin and Ethereum today, and maybe they'll crash tomorrow. Mm -hmm. But the, the expectation, all indications are that this stuff is here to stay and that they're going to keep rising. Um, but I'm not here to make any promises. This is brand new. Yeah, yeah. Maybe NFTs will fall on their face in a month, next year, whatever. Who knows? But for now, there's something to it. There's something exciting about it. It feels like it's, you know, the premise makes sense. Um, the digital world's not going anywhere. If anything, it's only ramping up. I mean, so yes, I'm not trying to sell you a bill of goods here. If you, if you, if you, don't, if you don't get it, if it's not for you, no worries. Stay away from it. But if you think it's cool and we're trying to listen, I've been staying up every night for the past three months, busting my ass, trying to make just because I want it to look cool. I want it to be super yeah. awesome. So if you like that, then we're here for you. You know, oh, sorry, my last. And, my last and if you don't want, like, if you don't want to pay for it, you can have it for free. It's you know what I mean? It's <laughs> all out there. I want you to have the art. I'm not asking anyone to pay for it. But if you think that there's value in it, then it's that option is available to you also. Guys, we're, you guys are celebrating 10,000, um, having 10,000 subscribers, right? And this is what I explain to musicians, musicians who are like, like living on nothing right now with like 5,000 super fans. If they can convince 5,000 super fans that over the next two years, they'll deliver, the musician will deliver them great content, live tickets, things like that. They can convince 5,000 super fans to pay $200. That's a million dollars. These are musicians, so we're seeing this in NFTs. Musicians with tiny audiences are able to generate real money 
And then once they've got that money, they can, you know, build this constant series. They can create better content and they can start to really um, deliver great content into those communities. So Patreon is a great, it's a great idea, but I guarantee that you guys can do a better job of funding Jump Street, which is an awesome, your 5,000, your 10,000 followers, if you said to them, two years, three years, podcast, access to the podcast, community conversations, exclusive content, clothing, you give us $200 for three years, that's a million dollars, guys. Two million if you get all 10,000 of them. Um, unbelievable, right? Billy, you want to make a million bucks Fuck real it. quick? Yeah. Fucking mind blown. <laughs> Fucking mind blown. And guys, yeah. I'm not talking shit. We've done $120 million in four months on NFTs. Yeah. So it's, 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 not, it's not like imaginary stuff of me pretending, you know. Anyways, moving along, we don't need to talk about that too much more. Yes, well, we... First of all, thank you for bringing that to everyone's attention. Like I said, in the description of the video, we have a link to the Drug Receipts website where you can check out the Discord, check out some of their artwork and find out when you can buy the NFTs when they yep. do launch. Am I correct by saying that? Yep. All that info? Yep. Okay. Some, sometime mid-January, early February, we'll launch it. Gotcha. So, I mean, obviously everybody here should know That's exciting. you guys and Arlo's work. So, you know, we just watched a little bit now. If you're listening now, go check it out because the artwork is sick. It's amazing. It's a whole new platform, a whole new way to buy Arlo's work. So, it, like Arlo said, if it's for you, it's for you. If not, you don't have to do anything. Watch How do they get if it's not it's still I'll, for you yeah. you, can have it for free. you can have it either way it's it's all out there for you and you can go to drugreceipts.com if you want a sneak peek of the art see what's and and learn about the space mm -hmm. cool and tyler's in the discord now and guys we do want to do a q a in there can we do that like is that yeah so, we want to wrap this up so let's do that we'll do a q a here Bro, you a know what? related Look, one I'm, maybe I'm, I'm, Hang on a second. Yeah. I'm just going to go get some food because we don't need me to host anymore. Brooks, like, can we do a Q&A in here? I'm, I'm going to so go grab a beer and a slice gonna... really quick. Let me, well, well, let's... No, I was just going to say, let's do, do this Q&A. Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah, do a Q&A here. Maybe a skate-related gonna... Q&A. And we'll do an <laughs> NFT-related Q&A at the Discord. Does that make more sense? Yeah, Since yeah, that cool. can be yeah, more, more focused good. there. All right, yeah. cool. I mean, so The Q&A could be whatever whatever the guests want it to be. It could be. Yeah, exactly. It could be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, real quick before we get into the Q&A session of this episode, um, we want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Blank. Everybody check out the new Sean Keen Pro Model Skate. I believe they did have a small release already, but you could pre-order the skates. Check them out on Instagram at Blank Rolling Products. Thank you for supporting the show. And like we say every episode, um, we prioritize the Super Chats. We split our Super Chats with our guests. So anybody wants to get your question to the top of the list, Super Chat us if you're watching it live. And if not, we're going to try to get as many questions as we can. So let's start off with the super chats real quick. We have first one from Tim Hawk, who says, I have a copy of Blades on Fire. <laughs> Best Brooke Howard Smith video. So, incredible video. That is That could be an NFT right there. <laughs> and who knows? NFTs could be, they are evolving. It's new. It's like Arlo said, it's brand new. It's, it's something um, that... You know, compared to the internet, when the internet first came out, people were like, oh, we could write emails, but it became so much more. And that could be the same thing yeah, with right. NFTs as well. Tim also said, uh, he super chatted in the beginning of the show before we aired. And he said, please put the old Senate videos as VOD classics. Yeah. How, were there three Senate videos? Oh, dude. Oh, wait, what are Senate videos? Oh, Day of the Rope. <laughs> what did I say? Day of the Rope. Day of yeah. the Rope. Stand fast. No, because when you said Senate videos, for some reason my wires were crossed. I was thinking of hoax videos, but you're right. Yeah, uh, Senate videos. Yeah. <laughs> what I said. I watched. I watched Day of the Rope the other day. Did you? Yeah, yeah. it's awesome. 
That's one of my one of my first videos, Day of the Rope. Yeah. Uh, keep it on with the super chats. Michael Stewart, who asks, what's the story behind the song from the credit section of VG20? It, it, this is uh, Arizona. Is that right? Um, yeah. Yeah. I had a, I had a band, I had a band called Fierce Asian Gang that was a, uh, <laughs> and we would just write, we would write crazy drunk songs. And I think I was there. Julio Kane was was Lanham there? No, but because it was called because it was called Arizona, and Lanham is from Arizona, I think he wanted he put it in. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah, Latimer was there. He was uh, freestyling. He freestyled on it. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, that's yeah. right. So Latimer and Julio were there. Yeah, we were super drunk. But yeah, so was Scott song called Crawford Arizona. That What's that? Was Scott Crawford at that one? Yeah, Scott Can Crawford sings it a lot better than me. It's a great, it's a great song. It is a great song. It is a good song. Yeah. All right, we have another super awesome. chat from King Rando. It says, "How much did it hurt when Michael Farr knocked your toenail off in the Nationals?" Hurt a lot. I think it was Dion Anthony that knocked it off, not Michael Farr. I believe Dion fucking Anthony, who I I miss that guy a lot. He's great too. Scott Crawford and Dion Anthony. Two semi-trustworthy Australians. <laughs> <laughs> At least a six. Uh, no, Dion's probably a five. Okay. <laughs> Scott's a six. That's pretty He's good as far as Australians go. That's for an Australian, yeah. yeah. Criminals. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no question, but we have Super Chat from Mr. Brown's Goldies. That's Joey from Hawaii. Thank you so much, Joey. Uh, New Light cool. CBD says Arlo slash Brookhauer Smith. Thank you for all the inspiration. Shout out Jump Street for bringing the legends out. Well, thank you guys for watching, getting us to 10,000 subscribers, and thank Arlo and Brookhauer Smith for fucking coming out. This is an incredible and legendary epic episode. Uh, Are they Street. the ones that hooked me up at Blade Cup? Blading Cup? Probably. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Joey's the white guy with the dreads. Did someone come up to you yeah. like that? <laughs> maybe. Possibly. Maybe not. Um, next super chat from that mountain says, I love the idea of OG's. Oh yeah. This is what all was talking about. I love OG's coming back to Griffin money from the industry after 2020 skate boom, a real cherry on top. Get your wallets ready suckers. I wish, uh, Arlo was here to address this one, but no, I'm yeah, here. What do you say? This is the one you were talking right. about. The super chat you were talking about. Yeah. I'm just trying to see. Is this, is this, is this new light? No, that's not it. No. Oh, cause it's <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, so I, I want to address this. I'm already really, really, really rich. So I'm not trying to grift money off of you guys. Right, exactly. Oh, like, nice. Yeah, I can't. It's not focused. Three reallys. Yeah. And three really, so, really, really, do, really, really rich. Yeah. I do appreciate <laughs> this comment because I think that it's, you know, it's a sentiment that's out there and that it's something that it's something that I feel like I've talked a lot about probably even last time I was here because, you know, I, I kind of tease this. I'm like, oh, Brooke and Arlo, you know, on Jump Street, are, are we bringing Senate back? Because I can't tell you how many messages, DMs and everything I get, people are like, oh, you gotta bring Senate back. When are you guys gonna bring Senate back? And I just have no interest in it. And I've been very vocal about it. I'm just not that interested in, uh, who who posted that? What was his name? Um, the mountain. It just says that, that mountain. mountain. That mountain, I don't know the name. But yeah, but yeah. so I'm sensitive to that notion of just sort of being an old school rollerblader trying to grift off of the old days and just sort of being like, hey guys, you know, Senate, remember Senate? Let's, you know, give us some, give us some of your money. Um, especially, you know, because the rollerblading industry has been so small kind of for so long. It's like, I, I don't, we don't need to be like siphoning off that money. Um, 
but I've always said, I'm always, you know, interested in doing new projects. I've always tried to keep creating and keep introducing stuff. And like, mm -hmm. I, I feel like, I feel like rollerblading is a creative space. And so creators are yeah. an important component to that. And, you know, when he says coming back to rollerblading, it's like, where have I been? You know, I've been no, here no. consistently the whole time. I'm always was, doing stuff. I was about to say, I don't mean to interrupt you, but if I can come to your defense, because I think it's Thank like better um, instead of you having to come to your own defense. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, not only have you been here since Senate, but, you know, there was Franco Shade and, and Ghost yeah. and you've always been yeah. involved yeah. and uh, it, it, always sporadically throughout the, the years. And this is with um, Viberlux. Yeah, and, and and always sporadically throughout the years, you've either been involved in skating in some way, yeah. way or another, and um, yeah. So I, I I don't think that's that that's fair. I don't think that's true. I think often because of uh, the history of bladers being called fruit booters for so long, we could be a bit cynical. And I and I'm no exactly. uh, and I and I could be that way myself too. At times, I'm trying to get better, but I could. So I. I um, I can understand where some of that pushback might come from, but I, I, I don't think it's right to uh, to characterize Arlo as that. And as Brooks says, he's already rich. He doesn't need this shit. Not only that, guys, guys, <laughs> for guys, for context, non-fungible labs right now, the stuff we're doing, the biggest brands in the world are approaching us to try to do things. Like we, it's like a, it's an, it's an amazing success story, and we've got proprietary technology that no one else in the world has. I'm I'm really passionate about this because Arlo and I have been best friends since we were 21. I've got this amazing artist who at the moment is having to work in an ad agency and not able to like, you know, actually do the art that he loves and that we love. And I was like, fuck it. I really want to own some of that art. Here's a great vehicle. And I absolutely believe now, now that I've seen the power of the communities of NFTs, you watch. This is the first NFT that's going to help bring together people with shared experience. Jump Street will have an NFT because it's going to it's just going to flip the way that you guys are able to uh, organize your community. It will. We happen. have thought about it. We have thought about it. Mm. It will. It will happen because everyone will eventually be able to find. And when when you meet someone, you see someone, you see their wallet, and they've got like uh, a drug receipts and a Jump Street. Uh, NFT in there, you will know immediately that you share something really strong in common with them, a love for rollerblading. And you might see that it's it's the, the digital equivalent of walking past and seeing someone in a Senate shirt in 1998. You're like, mm -hmm. fuck it, that's a rollerblader, right? These days, 60%, 70% of our time is lived online. Digital identity is going to be really important. And my sense is that, um, is that listen, if, if this is the first of the NFTs that helps build a community and if that mountain wants to go and build one that helps um you know organize his crew that that's great more power to him mm -hmm. yeah. and I, but, you know I, mean, yeah. I, I want to be really clear about something too right so the reason we're doing this is because we feel like we have a we have a a uh an we have an artistic content or we have artistic content that is cool right we have something to offer right the the world um it's not like Brooke is sitting in New Zealand and he's just, you know, made $24 million off his last two NFT releases. And he's going, boy, what's the next, you know, what's the next big, uh, what's the next big score I can get? How about that rollerblading market? You know? <laughs> uh, this huge rollerblading well, market we have. So the idea I, here yeah. is that we we're trying to build a big project and we are bringing rollerblading along with it because we're rollerblading. We love rollerblading. Yeah. 
it's not it's not like we're it's not like we're saying hey we can do this project where can we get the biggest score oh it's the rollerblading industry <laughs> it's not the other way around we're we're building yeah. a big project but we want because of who we are rollerblading is naturally a part of it mm -hmm. i i will I say that. i will I say that. that the fact that rollerblading is the only counterculture um activity probably left on the on the planet is exciting to me and the fact that people in this in the and people are you know are absolutely right i had i disappeared because again i'm sitting in a country where i don't have the art if, if i was still living in the states and i still had arlo and mike and these and be love i'd be i would have kept skating i mean absolutely but i'm excited about building a community of rollerbladers non-rollerbladers and art fans around Arlo or helping that because I just love his art. Great work, Cat. Yeah. But yeah. So, <laughs> so cat, I mean, I'm cat butt in the, yeah. in the chat. Yeah. Anyway, so but but I also I also it's 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 healthy skepticism. We'll see how it goes. But I've got a gut feeling it's gonna be fucking awesome. And hey back mountain, thank you for giving us the opportunity to talk about it. I saw that he sort of he he sort of gave in a little bit, said Arlo has been around. So thank yeah. I, I do appreciate that. And, and always that, welcome to be challenged because like, yeah, it's an yeah. opportunity for us to kind of establish why we're here and why we're doing this. I'm excited, you know, in the last three months, um, I've managed to reconnect with, start reconnecting with a lot of people that I've missed a lot. These are my, the formative years. Like, like it always feels Thank like- Thank God for Zoom, huh? Zoom, Zoom uh, during the pandemic went a long way for people to reconnect yeah. who yeah. don't live close. Yeah. Oh, wow. You guys, I, I've recorded it it's somewhere. We zoomed the hoax guys all zoomed. Yeah. What's up with like that? Where is that? Awesome things. Arlo, Arlo mentioned that in his episode too. That yeah. he said you most likely recorded it. But you know what, yeah, you guys, so cool. Billy and Austin, you guys really should do it. Y'all should figure out how to do it. Have all five of us on and have a proper hoax reunion on uh, Jump Street. We are a thousand yeah, percent do down it. with it. It's just a matter of getting all you guys to be down to do it too. So yeah, I'm glad you said that with. Also with yeah, Brooke too, cool. we, we got to get that going because I was going to ask you about that too, Brooke, because like I said, last time we had Arlo on, we mentioned that too. And Arlo said that you most likely save the recording for it of some sort. And should put some, it it's, it's, it's definitely somewhere, definitely somewhere. But we'll do one better. We'll recreate the whole thing on Jump Street, hopefully. Yeah, that's right. We'll, make it, we'll make it an NFT, really fuck cool. it. Uh, let's keep it moving. We still have Super Chats. I, I, think, I think we might need your help in order to accomplish that. Uh, based on because we I, I, I haven't I've never met uh, B Harden um, B B Love, uh, B Love. and uh, so you guys would have to connect some dots on that Brian Smith yeah. as well. we'll do I it. think yeah. I think we, I think we could pull Coach in. Coach that's yeah. pretty co close to me now, yeah. so we could pull him in. Yeah, he said he was down with it too. Awesome. Let's get it going. Um, we have a super chat from Seventeen BKS who says main misconception about New Zealand. Also, the best John Bling story. <laughs> Main misconception about New Zealand. I resize this. I don't know what the main misconception about New Zealand would be. Like this, the sheep sex. <laughs> what? Maybe is that right? There's like that's Australians talk a lot about about how we have sex with sheep. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what the main is. And, I never and heard John, that. John Bling is you. Huh? And that's a John Bling story. Is an yeah, John Bling, yeah. question, right? Um, I don't know. Who, I I thought that was to you, but. Is that for Arlo? I don't know. Who's John Bling? John Bergeron? I'm guessing, right? Is it? I, I'm guessing. Yes. yes I never absolutely. knew that was his nickname. John Bling is John Bergeron. I never knew that was his nickname. Yes. No. So I that a... sounds like a nickname that Jonathan Bergeron gave himself. This. <laughs> <laughs> it probably is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Super name. 
<laughs> yeah. Do you have one? Yeah. Um, he, I have, a, I, I have. A, it's just sort of a silly anecdote. I, it always tickles me. I don't know if anyone else cares for it, but we were on tour, probably in, um, maybe we were in Switzerland or Germany or something, and so we were with John Bergeron, who's from, who speaks French, um, and one of the girl skaters we were with was Salima. Um, and we were all ordering at a restaurant and they were, they'd been looking at the menu. And I think, uh, Salima said, I'll have the chicken shrimps. And John started laughing and made fun of her. He said, they're not called chicken shrimps. They're called chicken stripes. <laughs> another, another, another great, another great anecdote. Is that not a good story? <laughs> that's perfect. No, that's well. perfect. So, that's it's perfect. all about it's language. Perfect. It's too native. Uh, it's, too, it's an American. Uh, forget. It. I don't have to try it. It's not a, it's not that was good enough. That was good enough. That's perfect. We'll There's also it. a time where he, I saw him kick two people like in the head and like ruin their lives, and we had to. But yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, yeah we, we can leave that one alone. Uh, we can leave that one alone. Uh, that one sounds juicy. Okay. We'll the human terminator. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have a super chat from Mr. Joey Scanella who says. Uh, Crypto NFTs, the metaverse, e-commerce is the future, yeah, and is the now. It really is. It. This is this is my Joey's my crypto buddy and our, our buddy from back home. But yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll the metaverse is, is crazy. Mark Zuckerberg is 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 um like the worst thing about the metaverse, but the metaverse <laughs> itself is pretty amazing. We're seeing some pretty cool shit happen. I'm being told uh, by your cousin. I'm being told by Brandon not to dismiss your ad agency. Sorry, Brandon. Yeah, I'm not, it's not, right, it did sound a little worse than it is. It's not like I have to work at an ad agency. I'm working with my dad at our agency. So we have, you know, we have a, yeah. uh, an agency here in Dallas that my dad's had for 50 years. It's awesome. Oh, shit. Uh, it is it, awesome. Yeah. But Brooke is right. It's not, it's not exactly working on your own art, right, 24-7. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that, 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 there's something really appealing about that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. We have one more super chat for now from Mere Mortal who says, Brooke, what are your thoughts on the New Zealand blade scene, old and current? I mean, I'm I'm so disconnected from it, and I think and and um, I mean that's 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 a very real thing. Like I I absolutely when I came back, I was kind of obviously I had a genuine disconnection because despite I was saying that um, that it, and it was reasonably civil but the last stuff like the last year or so of my rollerblading was like really heartbreaking like being kicked out like losing all those the, the contact with all the immediate friendships i was i was pretty badly injured and then and then being sued out of senate i kind of just wanted to put everything behind me like really put it behind me and so i you know i've got good friends here that are rollerbladers um i tell you i tell you my connection with the sport now like Instagram feeds me a lot of rollerblading. Um, I love watching it, so not necessarily New Zealand, but like I, I it's it, it's I watch a lot more rollerblading than I ever have now. The lockdown, I guess, has done that. I don't know what the deal is. Yeah. Is that what's yeah. what you guys are seeing? Like, so. yeah. it's mm -hmm. it's the number one thing on my explore. Like my explore mm -hmm. is just full of rollerblading. Um, I've got favorite rollerbladers now that you know are obviously young kids that are just fucking insane. Who are some of your favorites and, now? Um, that, that, that actually leads into uh, one of our next questions. J Jimmy the Giant mm -hmm. says, who is your favorite blader at the moment? 
Demetrius George is fucking amazing. Is it so actually like, Jimmy the Giant? Uh, what's that? Yeah, Jimmy the it Giant. Is. You know who that is? Who's, Who's that? that? Yes. He's a huge YouTuber. He's the one that did the, did the big history of rollerblading and has oh. taken up rollerblading. Oh. He's, a, he's oh, cool. a parkour dude who does a lot of action sports uh, content on the internet. I mean, on oh. uh, YouTube. And he's really great. And when I saw... When I saw the uh, the the uh, rollerblading piece he did, I was blown away by it. I couldn't believe that he wasn't a rollerblader. Like it was, wow. he totally got it. And even the the footage that he included on YouTube, like it made skating look so good. Like you could tell he had an eye for style and like good tricks. It was just great. And so I've actually yeah. messaged him a little bit back and forth in the in the DMs. But yeah, he he he's been a I think a great uh, advocate for rollerblading. You and you told me to. I haven't watched that yet, but you said I have to watch. Yeah, you got to right? watch it. It's really good. Um, uh, but yeah, am I saying Demetrius George's name right? Is that how you say yes. his name? Yes, yeah. Demetrius? Mm -hmm. And um, I just like, he's just like everything Who? that like. Demetrius, Demetrius, Demetrius George. George. Oh, Demetrius, no way, sick. Yeah. yeah. And like, Great I story. love that. But you know, like, I mean, if um, Carlos Benaski, like there's, I still get fed like guys that I even know, like that are from the old days. Like, yeah, because there's still there's still a lot of that footage that is making it like, you know, my favorite skaters in the day were the Broscos of this world that are just like, you know, power, like power. And so Dimitri's he's still there. Like, he's still like, doing nonstop. It. Yeah, he's just a, he's a monster. I don't know what he's like as a person, but it's pretty awesome watching him skate. Mm -hmm. He's a very yeah. nice guy. He just, he just moved to L.A. So you shout out Alex Broscow. Hope you enjoy L.A. Oh, no, I know what Alex is like as a person. Oh, okay. He's from he's um, he's kind of the end of my era was the beginning of Alex's. I mean, Demetrius. I don't know what he's like. As a person. Demetrius he's is a very guy. nice guy as well. Um, OK, yeah. so we got some more questions and I actually have um, we're not going to keep you for too long. We're coming up on like two and a half hours now. So I think we'll just take a few more questions. Mm -hmm. I have a personal question that I wanted to ask that I didn't get to and then uh, we can we can let you guys go. I'm sure people might be getting hungry and thirsty at this point. But yeah. uh, Matthew Rice says, you talked about the origin story of the Royale. Any other trick creation names you can speak on? Um, I mean, so many of them. It was so cool. Like that. Did, that did he tell the, the part creation, where he like, wanted? Did that? you? T did Brooke tell the part where he wanted to name the uh, fast slide the Royale? No. Yeah, because it was the but, same day, right? Well, it was the same day. Right, because we basically invented them at the same time, and he wanted to call the fast slide the Royale, but I kind of wanted to call it the fast slide, so he named the Royale the Royale. Yeah. But he, he wanted uh, to name something the Royale. Nice. There were there were days like when we would be like literally skating the same ledge, and like, you know, Al would just, you know, pop something out, and, you know, we'd, we'd create a couple of tricks just there and then. It was really, really cool. It's amazing. So um, no one ever agreed. Like, here's two things. One, zero spin which is in skiing i named that so naming something is really important it was just going backwards like you know, <laughs> yeah. fakey. skiers never believe that and then flat spin flat spin also didn't invent it but i i named that and talk that no one no one ever agrees to that no one yeah that, no it, it, it's, it's funny you meant it's funny you mentioned that because recently i read an article uh in, in a ski magazine that talked about like the history of how it was influenced by rollerblading in the early days but it kind yeah. of became like a taboo thing in the skate and the skiing industry yeah. because they were kind of getting uh a little bit of trouble from snowboarders so they were doing the most they could to distance them themselves from like other yeah. um sports that were taboo yeah. so i think i think rollerblading had like was a generally accepted and other things that we could just leave this alone because that's going to be a yeah. problem but um yeah it's, i didn't know that zero spin 
like because they do have a lot of tricks that come from what we do and skateboarding as well but um yeah. the the zero spin is an interesting one that's good call it's on a that cool one, man I, it's cool. I like I zero like spin yeah i didn't know that was cool. a skiing thing either good one good call. i didn't know that was a ski trick either like a ski yeah. influence name yeah. i didn't know that it's cool that roller skaters now because that you know roller skating ha is having its own like resurgence in popularity and exposure and stuff and it's you know it's all largely driven by women um but to see them like adopting so many rollerblading tricks is really cool and like just straight up you know acknowledging kind of the relationship there and the the um the cross-pollination of the tricks and the movements whereas because you can imagine almost any other time even if it was probably just five years ago they pro just like the skiers they probably would have been really reluctant to be doing rollerblading tricks or to use rollerblading names you know they would have called them skateboard tricks you know oh we're doing smith yeah. rhymes you know um even as rollerbladers we almost did that we almost mm -hmm. named all of our tricks skateboarding names mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. now it is such kind of a different climate for for rollerblading and acceptance that there's like it just they just openly embrace the kind of the relationship and it's really cool yeah 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 wait, wait. yeah it's a, it's a really so you no we have uh scott is in the chat right now and scott crawford scott crawford he says that is bullshit i was there and sorry mate i named the flat spin yes yeah, i thought i named the flat spin. what did we establish <laughs> earlier at least once or twice in this and this is scott crawford who i said he is absolutely after steve irwin died Scott is the most trustworthy Australian. I say like six out of 10, but that's the kind of bullshit they'll try to pull. I mean, these are the people that try to tell you they invented the Royale. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, all right. I think we'll, we'll, we'll take a couple more questions um, and then, and, and we'll leave it at that. Uh, Dope tag says question to Brooke. Have you heard about Brandon Drummond? I guess not. Oh, is he a, is he a skater? Yeah, he's like yeah, he New does Zealand. like skate content. Okay, um, is he from no, New Zealand? No, no, yeah. but dude, yeah. I'll like oh. share, like I'll start you. Like, guys, this is I'm really excited about being reintroduced, like more formally, and in, back back into this. It was it was it's a huge part of my life, um, and I'm I you know like I said, I, I still I love watching it. I think it's amazing. I mean, I like watching the people that go fast. There is definitely a movement of people that are skating too slow. Still, it makes mm -hmm. me sad those people mm. stop skating fast so is good faster yeah. the better that's, that's interesting because yeah. back in the day i feel like skating fast wasn't that big of a thing no just carlos and alex and people like that i'm saying before that like 90s yeah because it went through yeah. skating went through a long period where it was so trick oriented that it was really just about what was happening while you were grinding that yeah. didn't matter so mm -hmm. much how yeah. you got there what you did afterwards yeah. mm -hmm. but yeah. now skating has definitely been brought back into the, the forefront where it really matters the movement and all that mm -hmm. good point yeah, yeah. Good point. Very cool moment. Mm -hmm. um, genetically modified skeptic says, Arlo, any skeptic ta tattoo NFTs on the horizon? You know, thank you, Drew. Drew, uh, Drew is another huge YouTuber, right? But his content is skeptically based. Um, and he is someone who I actually happen to find organically just found his YouTube content because I'm a, you know, I'm a consumer of skeptic content. And then one day he was wearing an intuition t-shirt on one of his, uh, his uh, YouTube videos. I'm like, what the heck? And so we've connected and uh, he actually, he runs a skate night in Austin where my daughter lives. Um, and so I'm trying to get her to go out to that. But so yeah, Drew is an active rollerblader. He is a, a, an Uber 
uh, skeptic content creator. So he has a lot of respect for me in that area. And that's something that we haven't even talked about. But last time I was on Jump Street, you know, the the money that was raised, I, I wanted to go to a, a skeptic um, foundation. And right. skepticism is just because it's such an important part of who I am um, and, the, you know, the things that I think are important. It's well baked into this NFT project. Um, I, in fact, let me look and see if anyone, any of the ones on the website, but we've, you know, the, the characters have all kinds of Easter eggs and hidden gifts and surprises. And, you know, there's a lot of references to rollerblading hidden all throughout. There's references to a lot of the content that Brooke and uh, non-fungible labs have created. There's a lot of references to skepticism. So all the things that kind of, that I care about, oh, there's a lot of references to Tyler's art. There's just a lot of things hidden in these mm. NFTs and it's really fun and cool. And skepticism more than just being hidden in the art, it's also, you know, the message, the mentality. I, you know, I always say it and it, it, I don't want to sound like I'm just sort of beating a dead horse here, but critical thinking, the um, skepticism, I think that they're such uh, important um, tools that, that, that they're really going to be, I think, forefront in, in this project. Yeah, very yeah. Cool. Which, 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 which I'm really excited about, like the idea. Oh yeah. Of so on the people. just so you know, I, I just confirmed it. But yes, on the on the website there is a yellow tile, and the character, um, she's a little tab, is holding a candle that says E Cree, which stands for extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence, um, and it's a quote basically from Carl Sagan. But yeah, it's, a, it's sort of a skeptical ac axiom or maxim. And yes, Drew, to answer your question, there will be a lot of skeptical content in the NFT project. Cool. Very, very cool. Carl Sagan is the man. And, and check, I can relate. And, and, and uh, Drew is the man. So check out Genetically Modified Skeptic on uh, YouTube. Sick. Check. I, I got to give respect to all my skeptics. Being from New York, I feel like we're all skeptics anyway. We don't believe anything. They're always trying to hustle yeah. something else. So mm -hmm. as a New Yorker, you're already a cynic. You're already a skeptic Good. just, just yeah. as is. But yeah. um, all right, cool. So check that out. Um, I think we're good on taking questions. I got a, one more question for you before we... Uh, we have one more super Boston. chat. Okay, we take have one super, super chat. chat. It's... Uh, hang on a second. Boom. Oh, yeah, I thought you did your question already. No, okay. So super chat. Last super chat is from Middab. One who says, what happened with Tom Servo? Oh, wow. Um, Vicky was saying that he fell apart. Arlo's mom was in the chat and said that he fell apart, I think. I don't know. What happened? He was Arlo? at the skate, because we had skate park. I mean, we had skate memorabilia at Eisenberg Skate Park for, you know. I see. Um, and the skate park was there for 15 years. But Tom Servo was a, you know, a candy dispensing machine. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't think he was meant to live that long and to be thrown into an RV, travel across the country, be shipped out to Texas, be still have to sort of tough it out in a skate park. You know, it's not always clean. There's skaters, you know, running past it. Uh, so, yeah, poor Tom Servo probably uh, uh, broke down in the end. But he had a, a long, good run as far as uh, candy dispensing machines go. Yeah, Probably one of the biggest legacies in any candy oh, yeah. dispensing machine. <laughs> Yeah. At, at um, candy machine dispensing circles, they still talk about the legend of Tom Servo. Yeah. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I've been told. Uh -huh. He's still in the back hallways of the candy rooms down in yeah. the warehouse. The legend continues the legend. with Tom Servo. Yeah. All right, Billy, oh, sorry. We, there's one more we, super we, chat. No, so. we do have another super chat in. Yes, um, that's a good question. It, Brooke, have you top sold a handrail since the Brain Fear Gone clip? 
I don't think so, but I tell you what, I believe I could straight away. That's the kind of confidence I have. That was the one trick. The one trick that I feel like I could always like just pull out. As far as I can tell, you just jump above the rail and go like (laughs) this and you either die or it locks and you go. And Brooke, soul plates are so much bigger now that it'd be even easier <laughs> oh, yeah. than you remember it. I like I got to tell him kidding. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, done, done. That, I mean, that's it's probably like one of the joys of all of this is that if I do come to South by Southwest in Austin, we will definitely go for a skate. I'll be terrible. Wow. But uh, You guys got to film that. That has, be there, so. that has to be on Well, Drew media. will host us. Done, done. That, that that clip in Brain for Gone was something that. Oh, was... you know what's you know what's cool? If you, I was gonna say, I'm sorry, it's tough no, for four people, <laughs> but um, if you do end up going to South by Southwest, and I'm not sure if it is this year um, that you're thinking about considering going 2022, but that is just actually before the Spring Blade Cup. So maybe if you have some time, you're already in the stage, you can come Dang. by. The Blade Cup is like an OG reunion, and I'm sure all the everyone would come out hearing that you're in town, and it would be a quite an event so if you're ready in the states consider that that's uh april 28th so it's a free plug for the Done. blade cup <laughs> april 28th to may 1st uh spring blade cup should be cool i that's, bet that's i bet cool. john julia would actually we could turn a whole event into you doing a topside soul at the blade <laughs> cup. Build the I'll, just do it. I'll just do it again and again the uh-huh. last time i skated with um i know that mike was there Arlo. i'm pretty sure you were there we went to that skate park in 2006 is that right and I could do the topsoil straight away on a, a ramp, um, like once every like four times it would lock in. So I think rollerblading is easy is what I'm saying. That's, that's why I gave <laughs> yeah. it up. It's just too easy. It's gotten yeah. easier. I, I was going to say, make it's as hard as you make it, like anything it. else. I was going to say what I loved about that Brain for Gone clip that he's talking about where you guys both, it was both you back to back, right? Arlo, you sold it and Brooke, you topsold it back to back and Brain for Gone. Yeah. And that was like 2000, 2001. I remember at that time, Everybody was like, all of us were like, oh shit, the OGs are coming out and you could still like top solar rail or solar uh-huh. rail at that age. But you guys were probably like 25 or exactly yeah. like that's we, like we, babies like, now. We were like 35 probably, but yeah. No, like no 30, way. 30. Oh, no, it's, it's, you guys were definitely in yeah. your 20s then. And it was just like, don't be so sure. You just said you. No, if it was 2000, yeah, said you were 38. Brain no, on 2006. Brain was no, like 2000. I'm 48. 2048 yes okay that makes more sense (laughs) so still that's like a a lot of us are way older than that now and it's just funny how times have changed so much and we thought that was an og then it's it's yeah the times change i think mushroom blading made that a point when they reposted that clip like 10 years ago or something but it that was just i'm glad that they mentioned that because you guys had back-to-back tricks and brain for you gone cool yeah um, okay, I think I think we're good for taking questions. We've taken quite a lot of questions. I just want to bring one more up before I ask you guys to say your shout out sponsors, last last things. But um, we talked about where the future of the the world is going to go, the future of NFT, the metaverse, e-commerce, the 60, 70% of our lives, uh, 10 years, it's going to be 100% of our lives. They're going to be in the matrix. We're going to be hoping for Neo to come through and change everything. But before that happens, where do you see the future of skating going? Because I'm curious about your position on it all, especially having had been a part of it so deeply, gone on the outside, found success in other areas, have been aware of seeing the resurgence in skating, at least online. Do you see this as something that's more of a, a bump because of COVID or lockdowns, or is this something more long lasting? What do you think 
just as a fun question, you know, I know that you might not have much skin in the game as, as it once was, but what do you, where do you see the future of skating going? Do you think it becomes something that goes, uh, or it's just a flash in the pan because of lockdown? No, I think, well, firstly, I think that thanks to people like yourselves that are building compelling content and the connection that people are building, it's, there's such strong connection between people that have spent this much time doing something, you know, it's like a huge part of people's lives. And these communities are only going to get stronger. They're going to get stronger because the connectivity is improving. I think creative industries full stop. Um, you know, we're automating all other jobs out of existence. So creative expression, whether it be the content you guys are making or Demetrius or Arlo's art, that those, those are the areas that are going to excel and, um, and, and kind of blossom and, and technologies making that possible. So that's kind of cool in terms of rollerblading. Like I said, if we are honest about counterculture, it's the only counterculture left in sport. Like it's the only thing where your identity comes like for so long has come at a cost. Um, not for any real reason outside of just a bunch of jocks um, decided to kind of create this 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 um, this movement against it, and in doing so, um, solidified skateboarding as the opposite of a counterculture, and 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 rollerblading became this amazingly interesting um, pastime that you know you had to be you have to be so passionate to have got through all of this. If, you know, no, no, it's just an amazing, and it's amazing baptism that I think will, has built this real, real strength in the community. The problem with it is like it was disparate. You know, people were so separated, um, and and COVID has brought people back together again. The content has got there, and like I said, like I hate Zuckerberg, but he is definitely feeding me a lot of great fucking rollerblading on on his on his channels. Mm -hmm. Cool. Very cool. What about Arlo? Do you have any thoughts on that? Oh, sure. I always have thoughts about it. You guys probably asked me last time, but I, I do have, I probably think there's kind of, even since the last time we talked, there's sort of a different even perspective on it now. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, earlier in this podcast, which now probably means about two hours ago, but we talked mm -hmm. about the meteoric rise of rollerblading. Yeah. And of Senate and how I, I sort of corrected you. I said, no, we weren't surprised at all. I knew rollerblading was going to be huge. The only thing was surprising that that uh, meteor, meteoric rise stopped, that it didn't make it all the way to the moon. And I think the only thing that was holding it back was kind of was cultural, right? Was sort of these attitudes, these manufactured attitudes that rollerblading was somehow mm -hmm. lame uh, or gay, as people used to say, skateboarders used to say. Um, and now that those attitudes have kind of gone away and have been corrected and people are starting to be open to it and embrace it, all the things that made rollerblading destined for greatness that are built into it. It's fast and fun and you can use it for transportation. Uh, you can use it for community. You can use it for, uh, for, for sport and stunt. I mean, it's just everything. Listen, riding bikes, riding skateboards and ice skating basically are like sort of have always been around as like kind of like, you know, sort of obvious intuitive forms of, of transportation, recreational fun. Um, once you could ice skate on dry land and go anywhere, I mean, that was a no brainer. That's going to be huge. And that's what happened with rollerblades. The only thing that stopped that, that, that progression, that, that, that uh, meteoric rise was cultural attitudes. And I think even since our last conversation, that has changed. This yeah. is the first time 
since rollerblading's you know uh, fall that we can say that the the cultural attitude toward rollerblading is different, significantly different. You can feel it. And so with that out of the way, then boom, there's no stopping it. Rollerblading can continue uh, uh, on to its rightful course, to its rightful place as, you know, as uh, one of the major um, action sports. Mm. Let's go. Love that. If that's that's what you want. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, actually, action sports is too limiting. I didn't know what else to call it, but. But what are yeah. major, you know, as just one sports of the in general, staples or recreational activities like riding a bike, you know what I mean? Yeah. That I, yeah, I don't yeah. mean just an action sport. It's it's bigger than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and ultimately, I know what you're saying, Burke, like uh, if that's what you wanted. But for me, ultimately, I just want to see the people that have put like X amount of work and be able to just continue to work in skating. And I think that the thing that affords that is them having the ability to make money or be compensated for that yeah, work. So, so, so for me, that's, that's a way in order to like build the culture. That's a, a necessary thing. And I'm hopeful as well. And uh, I think it's at a good time for skating for opportunity mm-hmm. where the eyes are on it and good people are being a part of it mm-hmm. and really cool things are being built. And there are a lot of still people here being a part of it. Like Arlo's been for a while and Brooke, it's great to, see you coming back into everything and being showing your face. It'll be great to see you at the blade cup. It'll be incredible. And uh, I'm sure all yeah. the, all the, your old friends would come out and it'd be a hell of an event. Mm-hmm. So um, I want to we'll say see. thank you for taking the time to spend uh, talking with us. It's been an absolute honor. Yes. We are freaking coming on three hours. I would just, the only thing I would say before we go is Brooke or Arlo, if you have any last words, shout outs, um, thank yous, uh, the last things you wanted to say, I would invite you to do so now. Yeah, well, my, my biggest one is that I want to continue, even though we've been going for three hours, some people might have some more questions. I do want to continue this. I want to start to build this community. Um, and so drugreceipts.com, uh, there's a link there to join the Discord. Mm-hmm. And it, there, there is, right, Arlo? We've got that mm-hmm. in there? It's in, Good the, man. it's in the video description. Um, and, and that Discord is going to be the start of a community that I hope means that we can start these conversations a lot easier and like we're, yeah, yeah, be really, really great. So um, I want to thank you guys for inviting me on. I was pretty upset. Uh, by day three of Chris Edwards, I was like, what the fuck <laughs> is going on here? Um, and We got to do day three of Brooke. Yeah. yeah. Well, three hours. Getting close. Um, we got day two of Arlo pretty much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So um, I know. Listen, I love it. I really do love what you guys are you guys are doing, and um, the, the, the 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 surge in um, connectivity is a lot because of you 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 two guys. So um, you should be very very proud. And Arlo uh, David Eisenberg, um, the, the highlight so far of twenty twenty one for me has been reconnecting with Mark Shays and Arlo Eisenberg and B Love, um, and it's in that just order? so. Ex- Yes and no. Yes, yes, in that order, one hundred percent. Just making sure, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And you know, and it's just so exciting to me that I might get let back in the country um, after thirty years. Of, in the let world. me make a call. So yeah. don't get Arlo on the phone. Don't get Arlo on the phone. Arlo, your middle name's David. Uh, yeah. Now you know. And now we know. Now the whole world yeah. knows. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for joining us again. Thank you. All. Thank you for taking the time out. Everybody, thank you for watching. Like this video if you haven't. Please subscribe to the channel. We're at ten thousand subscribers now. Let's get to a hundred. Next stop's a hundred thousand. Let's do this. Let's get that, that silver plaque that they <laughs> give YouTubers and shit like that. Um, everybody, check out receipts.com. <laughs> check out the Discord. Yeah. Join Brooke, Arlo, yeah. and Tyler.
Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna a huge a huge secret that we have not ever told anyone before on the Discord. It's like it's mind blowing. Um, Something about to see over the, It's so crazy. It's this crazy Senate secret. Um, <laughs> All right, wait, everyone's fantastic. got to, everyone's got to check out the Discord for that. Oh, I'm curious yeah. now. Good good, good oh, point. Good so, sell point. Oh, it's, <laughs> amazing. It's, amazing. it's amazing. We'll see you over now, there, guys. Now you got now you got to make up a secret to tell everybody. Uh, see y'all. <laughs> All yeah. right, thank you, everybody. See, see you guys. Peace. Bye. Thank you. Guys.